everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap, a show where we sit down, we talk about video games, we talk about what we've been playing. Mm-hmm. We have some conversations. It's it's a very relaxed show, and to be very relaxed with me today is Mr. Kyle Bossman. Hey, everybody. Are you feeling really relaxed? No, but I, yeah. I can get in the zone. I can become okay. relaxed. You can become relaxed. That's yes. good. There are a lot of times where I feel like I can't become relaxed, where yeah. I want to relax, but mm-hmm. it's just beyond beyond my grasp. And at the end there... Most frequent frame trap guest by a long margin, which is something I appreciate, Michael Huber. Hey it's everyone, th- welcome to seventy-eight point eight Easy Allies Radio. Hey. We're chilling out today. I really want a podcast where you like that the whole time. Uh, Huber, you are always willing to like jump in, which I appreciate. Yeah, you're you're, you're always good about that. Uh, That's my strength, Ben. Is like if you ask me. To my face or online, whatever. If you ask me to do something, like I'm doing it, I'm mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It's when you don't ask me to do something, things can kind of like slip on by. I can get distracted, you know. Sure. But if someone comes up to me, he's like, "Yo, can you do this?" Sure. You're a man of your word. And <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no complaining about it. Like it's eagerness. It's, yeah. It's it's enthusiasm. I like that. Co-op. I was thinking about you know the pre what have we been playing banter mm-hmm. for today. Yeah. And I realized that like with both of you, you're both. Kind of involved in some big things that have happened recently. Huber, I want to start with you. Hmm. You just went over to Kind of Funny. Kind of Funny? You, you talked to those guys. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> don't do a lot of collaborations. Yeah. Uh, and Kind of Funny is in a similar position that we are. So what was that experience like? How was it talking with the guys? Very fun. How was, was it comparing th- their stuff to our stuff? All that sort of. Really similar? Uh, you know, very, very similar vibes. Mm. And it was just so fun, so awesome. They were so inviting. Mm-hmm. I came over and I was like, I was talking to him and I was like, so, you know, th- this is not a bit, like, this is me talking to them. I'm like, yo, yeah. so so this is not a bit, like, I, my mind wanders. Like, we can be talking about Monster Hunter and 10 seconds later, we're talking about Horizon Zero Dawn or something. Like, my mind yeah. just goes places. So if I just like if I just jump in and like say something random like is that that okay? And they're like yeah yeah just be yourself be yourself because I was concerned like you know I my mind goes places it, I just yeah, started, it doesn't it happen got- as much anymore. <laughs> uh, but during the game trailer days, I remember a couple of times where we'd be talking about something and then somebody would say something and then you would ask a question that they had answered in their statement. You'd be like, wait, what? Or we'd be like in a really intense conversation, and you'd be like, have you guys seen the latest episode of Gotham? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That that kind of thing would yeah. happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Unintentionally, my mind just goes. Yeah. So what's their video wall like? What is that in person? Dude, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, it was so distracting when I filmed with Tim because mm-hmm. it's just this really awesome artwork of iconic video game moments. So the first one that pops up is like Cloud and and uh, Aerith in the life stream, just like emotions, and then like you got like Yoshi's Island and like Mario fighting Bowser, and really awesome video wall. That's cool. But yeah, it was so fun. Everyone was really welcoming and jolly and good vibes, and they said they want to come on here. Tim specifically said he wants to be on Frame Trap. Ooh, I would that'd be good. I would love so. Boom. So it's I, gonna happen. I rarely leave the house, so if he wants to come here, that would be ideal. <laughs> uh, no, but 
with you guys, it's easy to be comfortable. I mm-hmm. think it's easy to be like, okay, we're shooting this, and it might be a, a comedy improv thing. It might be let's sit down to talk about a game or whatever it is. And it's gotten to a point where I've known you guys for so long that it's it's no big thing. We yeah. we talk pretty much identically when we're on camera versus when we're off. Obviously, there are some differences, but I think for the most part, that's definitely true. Was it weird? Did you get kind of that like early? I was extremely nervous. Yeah, yeah. Extremely. Because like... Dude, growing up, man, I was a fan of Greg Miller. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm 30. Like, he was he's a little older than me. Like, but not by much. But like, right. he was where I wanted to be when I was in college for journalism. Like, going down that path. I remember him talking about Lair. I re- you know, yeah, to- Lair. Yeah. Just and, yeah, Vita, PS4, in gen- mm-hmm. or PS3, even like Uncharted Three review. Obviously, I got to bring up, which is fun. I've always wanted to like bring that up to him. <laughs> so I was like, Yo, Uncharted Three is a ten. But yeah, it was it was I was nervous, but they were so cool and and chill that that the nerves went away as, as soon as we started. Did you talk yeah. about podcast beyond? Cause that was, that was definitely no. for a long time, a podcast that I yeah. listened to and enjoyed. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go down that road, you know? Sure. Sure. So, that's but, a road. Yeah. That's a road. But that is a road. Beyond. That's fair. Beyond hype. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle. Yeah. You, I, I came in today. I was yeah. early, uh, just because we had to set everything up ourselves and I wanted to come in early and make sure everything was prepared. And I didn't know this was going to be happening. You were doing some viewer recording yeah. For Box Peak. Yeah, and yeah. that is something that, uh, a new project that you're undergoing. And I was thinking about it this morning. Yeah. As I was getting ready at my apartment, and I was like, man, like he's basically creating a television show. Like that's, that's crazy where you, you have to come up with the concept, you have to edit it, you have to voice direct it, you have to do all this stuff. Uh, when you first came up with this this project of Box Peak, and I, we should probably have you explain sure. what it is in general, yeah. Uh, versus now that you're kind of like in the midst of trying to make it real, uh, how has that journey been for you? It has been a long journey. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're I think we're in nine to ten months into this journey, Ben. Uh, so Box Peak is a web series, mm-hmm. and it is something that uh, I really wanted to do, and is so much more than I thought I was pitching. I was pitching 10 episodes of 10-minute-long, 10, 10-minute 10 episodes. 10 10-minute 10 episodes, excuse me. That is what I was pitching. And I'm like, I'm going to get this done in two months. Right. I was, I guess because of stuff that I've done with Final Bossman, and even Bossman at home, just doing bonus bits, like I, I understand like working really hard on a thing for like 24 hours and then putting it out. And You're like, like, oh, that's ten, 10 bonus bits. Yeah, mm-hmm. 10 bonus bits. I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to be a mess for 10 weeks. It'll be done. Uh, it's so much more than that. It's mm-hmm. so much so much more than that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's been really rough. Uh, but recently, uh, I've been able to like focus on it I'll just be upfront actually about it. Yeah. Uh, so in January, I started taking antidepressants. Okay. And uh, I like it a lot. Okay. It helps me focus. Oh, so yeah. actually, here's the thing uh, I had to do an update in February, and in early January, I was thinking, like, I'm going to have to do an update for Box Peak that's like, I'm sorry, everybody, I can't work on this. Like, I have to figure out something else to do. Maybe we'll just put out the scripts or something. Right. Uh, but I started taking this antidepressant, and it like helps me like have agency with my mind it helps me like focus and work which is crazy and uh dude good on you man yeah outrageous yeah yeah yeah. it was it was honestly yeah yeah it was hard for me to like finally take that step but uh yeah it's cool and 
like the thing is though like it sucks to work on it's like right it's still like <laughs> it's like yeah i'm really happy that i'm like being able to focus and everything but it's right. just like you're working for like eight to ten hours just cutting right just yeah. cutting little characters out of paper but the thing was ben Recently, just last week, when I was cutting, when I was like exacto knifing the gap between somebody's arm, yeah, um, I just I realized how much I enjoy this. Okay, I realized that like, oh, I'm doing this because I like this. You know what I mean? Like, we I shouldn't be doing this. I should be spending my time on, on other things, writing other things, making something easier to produce, and helping other people help me. But I realized that just like, I liked I like the craftsmanship. I like the crafts. I like that I'm just like doing every element of this web series, which I didn't explain. It's just like paper puppets who talk to each other, uh, which sounds so simple. Yeah. Nine months ago, paper puppets sounded so simple. This is going to be so easy to do, uh, but it's just so much. It's so much work. When you say that you kind of have this moment, with, despite how stressful it is, how much yeah. it's weighed on you, despite it... Uh, working on it for so long, is it the more of the mechanical process of just building something, like creating something physical, or is it more of the I'm building a world with characters with a storyline? Is it, which which camp is it more favored in? I guess for you, definitely the writing process was really fun. Yeah. of creating a world, and I mean, I guess you, you've honestly done that with a uh, with a uh, tabletop. Oh, kind of. It's not it's not the same thing. A lot of a lot of tabletop stuff is me just trying to put a loose frame on whatever you guys are doing as it's happening. Sure. Whereas this is more, you're sitting down, you're like, this is how the, the story is going to go. Yeah, and so. it's fun. I haven't I haven't done a like a, a, a story like that in ages. You yeah. know, like we've done bonus yeah. bits, we've had running narratives, but for the narrative to be the entire thing, you know, it's, it's, it's what lights me up. It's what I want to do. And so it was really totally. fun to do all those things. But yeah, Honestly, even the craftsmanship, I kind of like the idea that when this is done, when you see a character on the screen who has a gap in their arm and you go, oh, Kyle had to cut out that gap. I mean, like, you should be focused on the dialogue. You should be focused on the characters. But I think, like, just that subtlety of, like, this idea of, like, it looks bad, but it's like somebody made this. Right. I think it honestly adds to to it a little bit. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you another thing, Ben. I'll yeah, tell you what, absolutely. because it actually is completely related to what Huber just talked to about. The reason why they're paper people, the reason why I'm making a web series that wasn't just like the flat animations that I used to do at the end of Final Bossman episodes was uh, the kind of funny animated series. And I didn't want to make something that is just clearly worse than theirs. Oh, sure. And so like, <laughs> if I tried to make an animated series, it would... <laughs> It would just be worse than the kind of funny one. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, what can I do that's different? What can I do with what the resources I have? And that's, so that's why they're paper people. Is that it, like, it'll at least be different. It'll be in its own little column. It won't be in an animated series that looks worse than theirs. Uh, yeah, I, I think that is, that is really smart. Uh, having the judgment to be able to be like, well, let's not, let's not make that comparison yeah. uh, super apparent. But a question I have for you, I don't... I don't act on any of these, but every once in a while, you know, you get bored or you're waiting in line or something. You're like, oh, here's an idea that I have for a story. Yeah. And I'll just start thinking about it. And I'll start going through it in my mind and maybe I'll make a note or something. And uh, I'll, I'll be like, this is a really good idea. I think you could create an entire story based on that. And then a day later, a week later, some period of time later, I wake up and I'm like, this is garbage. Yeah. Why did I ever think this was a good idea? Yeah. Uh, and I think... When you're in any creative endeavor, I think that's a really hard thing to to be 
confident enough in the foundation that you're building to keep going forward, to start making those those arm cutouts, right? Yeah. Um, and so what was that process like for you? Was there a lot of rewrites? Was there a lot of throwing out? Was there a lot of like, I'm going to completely change the idea? Or did you feel pretty confident throughout the whole thing? No, Ben, yeah. So when I talk about like how an antidepressant like helped me actually accomplish this goal, yeah. Uh, there are just many times where I just like, you're right. You you need to be insane to work to do anything. Mm-hmm. Successful people are like idiots. You know what I mean? Like they're all d bags. But you have to be a d bag. You have to be so crazy to think you are good enough. To think that what you're writing is good enough for people to read, you have to be stupid. You know, you have to be insane. And so, like, you have to find that. You have to find that confidence. Right. And that confidence is is like nobody's. It's not warranted for any of us, you know what I mean? For anybody, like nobody's writing is good, but you just have to believe it's good and you like, because it is, because it is. And so, you know, when I say nobody's writing is good, it's, it's kind of true, but also everybody's writing is good. And just like, if you're, if you're genuine, if you're honest, if it's something that you like, other people will probably like it. And if they don't, that's okay. You know what I mean? Uh, we're all on this weird journey of, of getting better and improving ourselves. And so that's really what the stuff I try to focus on. That's why the bad game the bad games I play, I review mm-hmm. are way harder to write than the good ones. Yeah. It's like the one, you know, writing a Resident Evil review is obviously way easy because I love it so much. So it's yeah, like, all right, right, just be myself, write this. I feel good. It's like harder because I care more about it. Maybe it's yeah. like, yo, this is Resident Evil. I really got to nail this. Mm-hmm. But it's like from such an honest, good place. Whereas like if a game's terrible, I'm just like, oh, I don't, I'm feeling this game right now. Like it's so bad. Blah, blah. I've, I've definitely learned to doubt myself a little bit more when it comes to that condemnation because there are times where you're like, is this just irritating me in the moment? Am I just irritated and mm-hmm. so I'm like more susceptible to this? And so like you, you want to have that process, I think, where you're like, no, I'm really sure yeah. that the, the way I'm trash on this is accurate because mm-hmm. so much effort does go into this. And I think, I think there's just that innate desire to be fair, right? Uh, as much as you can. Obviously, no one's... No one's perfect at it, but uh, yeah, man, Kyle, that's so. Oh, you're getting there, man. I'm glad. Getting there, yeah. I I had no idea that this is where the conversation was going to take us, and I'm I'm glad that you're bringing it up because I think fundamentally every human being, yeah, is undeniable. Like everybody wants other people to like them and approve of them, and and you know whatever you're making, they, you you want to get positive feedback on. It. I think it's a very natural desire. Yeah. Um, but I think kind of what you're talking about with the insanity. Yes. And the confidence. <laughs> yeah. I think you kind of just have to reach a point, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you uh, go back and forth with it, where you're just doing it because you love the thing. And whether it goes bad sure. yeah. or it goes good, at least you can kind of take solace in the fact that, no, I'm. this is what I want to be doing. Like, maybe I suck miserably at it, but at least I want to do it. And I think that can be uh, really empowering, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's honestly been that freedom of being able to commit so much time to a thing that I simply want to do uh, is only because of Easy Allies. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it is an incredible opportunity and unique. I'm not sure I'll have it again in the rest of my life. So I'm like, right. use it now while you got it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think this is an easy thing to forget. Uh, I think with any thing that you're doing a lot, uh, you kind of just – get encased in that bubble and you're, you start to find the things that annoy you or the stresses about this job. And there are, there are stresses about easy allies, but like if you take a single step back and you look at what this is, how absolutely incredible it is, how amazing it is that we're afforded this opportunity. Absolutely. 
absolutely, it's incredible. But Kyle, uh, the thing I want to commend you on when you were doing the VO recording with Box Peak, just like you can tell somebody really cares when they were going through as much effort as you were going through. We were like, no, try it again like this, try it again like that. Like you have an idea in your head and you're really chasing after it and you're not settling for less. And I, I respect that a lot. Yeah. And I don't want to say that like, uh, so we were doing VO with Huber just ahead mm-hmm. of time. I want to say that like it was, because that's what they say to not to do as a director ever is like, make sure they do it the way that you were imagining it in particular. Yeah. I think that like, it's cool. We kind of, and with like Jones and everybody really, it's like you're working together to like find it. Like mm-hmm. I don't know specifically the voices and how I want Huber to deliver it, but yeah, it's actually a really cool process of, I don't know, like building, right? Yeah. Like, like, uh, just, we know when it didn't sound right. And then like, we know it's like getting warmer and warmer and then like it locked in and it's like, Oh, that's a good voice. Let's go yeah. with that. Yeah. It's really cool. It's fun. Yeah. It's always, uh, not not in a bad way, but it's always an interesting experience. And it doesn't happen always, but every once in a while, you know, you'll just spend a lot of time with a review script. And uh, you'll you'll be reading it in your head, you'll be reading it out loud, and then you send it to Brandon. And his, just the way, where he chooses to stress certain sentences or things, it's like, wait, that is completely different than what I had burned in my brain. Yeah. And it's... It's cool. That is your interpretation of it, but it's it's always really interesting going through that experience. How somebody can take something and just have a wildly different uh, read on it than you. But in box peak, it sounds like that opens up some new opportunities. Yeah. Does when you see somebody that these characters that you've created, uh, when you see somebody have their take on it, inject themselves into the character, does that kind of influence how you're thinking about the character and maybe like open them up a little bit? For sure. I mean, so uh, Amanda Troop plays the main character, and like we won't get into plots and anything like that, but she just sort of nailed it on mm-hmm. the first try. Professional. Yeah, <laughs> just like, oh yeah, that is exactly what this character should sound like. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it changes how you draw him. I think it changes how uh, the expressions that he can have and things like that. Uh, but then there's also characters who I had like no idea what their voices sound like. And so it, it has a huge influence on what they look like and things like that. Totally. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't cool. wait. When it's done. Yeah. Yeah. No rush. Sp- Let it cook. Spring, hopefully. Well, no, I mean, I do. And this is another weird thing. We're getting into weird stuff at the top of this podcast. Uh, I want to be super open about it, you know, mm-hmm. because, because I did spend nine months just like languishing over the scripts and things and like not getting into the actual production i want to be like here's what i got done this week here's Mm -hmm. what i did this week here's what i did this day you know yeah and i don't know i don't know how much like is owed to the community how much i have to be specific like this a check-in all right sure yeah like game of thrones takes over a year to make yeah box speak no different yeah similar scope scale (laughs) it's very similar so no game of of thrones this year is killing me sure (laughs) it's just killing me yeah but we'll get box speak We'll get back. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. There we go. It's all good. Bring it's it back good. around, Huber. Uh, we've got some games to talk about. Uh, the one I want to start with, purely out of my own curiosity uh, and kind of the the interesting reception that it's getting, is Kingdom Come Deliverance. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, Huber, you're working on that. You're playing through that. Yeah. And slowly, I we're honest on this podcast. We're honest Absolutely. here. Yeah. I'm reviewing two games. I work, the other one. Doesn't it, the other one? The review won't be out for a while, but I was working on that and finishing that up before I dive fully back into Kingdom Come. Yeah, so playing the long game. Yeah, I just went through that 
experience myself where uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, I, no, Saturday, excuse me, Saturday I finally finished the campaign for Divinity Original Sin 2, which is something that is like embarrassingly past due, nope. but I think better, better. With, with our limited reviewing staff, it was like, okay, well, we've got to do this, I'm going to, even though this is late, I'm going to move this over here so we can try to get these things out quicker. And it's just, it's frustrating because I feel like these compromises you're making are never completely satisfying. Yeah, and at, at it's a, a lose-lose. At a certain point, you just, you have to make a decision even though you're not completely happy with it. And sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes you make the wrong decision about mm-hmm. how you're allocating your time. But anyway, Kingdom Come, I'm Kingdom sorry. Kingdom Come. <laughs> uh, I'm like 10 hours in. Oh, that's a good chunk, though. So, I mean, they the review guide said that it'll take 30 to 50, which is a big It's a big gap, right? yeah. So, like, 30 to 50 if you rush through it. You can easily spend over 100 hours on the review, guys. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. So, very long game. Uh, very... How? Where do I even begin? What, what do I? What do I even say about this game? Well, okay. First of all, okay. this is a historically accurate <laughs> representation of 1400 Bohemia. Uh, listeners missed out on some quotation marks, yeah. some air quotes, because they even say they're like, "Yo, we're not 100 percent historically accurate. We've yeah. bent, we've bent a little, a little bit." Striving for realism. Striving for realism, like working with historians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Real architecture, like in the game, when you walk by places, you'll get codex entries that will just tell you about the history of stuff. So, like, oh, I, I like walked by, like yeah, okay. I walked by like the 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 Skinner with the the skin guy, the Tanner they call him. It's like uh, working with like pelts and and oils and things, like making leather. Yeah, making leather okay. and stuff, and just this whole big entry about what that was like back then, about how. You know, they, they smelled real bad and, and kind of stayed away from the main areas of the city and just like diving. Because of the job you had. Yeah. Kind of diving into the history, which I which I really appreciate. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love history, you know, throw the History Channel on all the time. A little background really? noise. No, I didn't know that about yeah. you. My okay. dad. Big history buff. Dads love History Channel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... They don't like to call Kingdom Come Deliverance a simulator, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm going to. <laughs> like it is, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you talk to people in realistic ways. There's a quest very early on where your dad gives you a bunch of tasks. You're uh, you're this this son of a blacksmith, mm. and the beauty of it is that it's not this chosen one storyline. You're just a, a guy. You're just this big dork. Even PC Gamer was like, they had a headline. They were like, I really appreciate playing as a dork in Kingdom Come Deliverance. Just like, not the chosen one, right? So I'm not saving the world? You get involved in, the, obviously, the big controversies. Well, lots of lots of movies start with dorks, man. Yeah. 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 I, I want to clarify the dorkiness of this mm-hmm. this character that you're yeah. playing as. When you say that, that he's a dork, what, what do you mean? Like, is he just... Like kind of socially awkward, a little bit. Okay. I feel like yeah, some of the conversations like slightly awkward, like his deliveries maybe. Okay. Um. And yeah, just the way he interacts with people, I guess. And then, so anyway, the dad gives you the quest to go down to the bar and get a beer, right? But he's like, "Yo, make sure that beer is cold." 
Okay. So I, I really go, like this already. Yeah, so I go down. Like, do he, You have to, like... I guess I'll just tell this. This is, like, the opening tutorial area, basically. Yeah. So the dad's like, all right, go do some quests. Give me a cold beer, Yeah, son. he's like, he's like, yo, so-and-so owes me money. Go collect the money. He owes me a debt. Go collect the money. Use the money to buy the beer and some supplies. Head mm. back. Okay? You also, unbeknownst to your dad, have to meet uh, this, like, knight that's coming in through town, like a drifter. He's to, he wants to train you. So I go, go down to the guy that owes me money mm-hmm. and... Uh, basically you have to fight him in this case. You know, there's a lot of op- dialogue options. You can level up like your charm. Yeah. Uh, and that helps, uh, with communication things. What's really cool, Ben, is that whenever you talk to anyone, you level up your charm. So just by like, you know, JRPGs, Kyle, when you're like going into a town and it's like, all right, time to talk to everyone. Yes. So this person. This. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know it. It's cool that in kingdom come by doing that you get better at speaking. Mm. So it's that whole system of leveling up, right? Yes. When yes. you say you get better at speaking, does that mean your, just more dialogue options open your, up for you? Your charm will open up, and that has a level, your charm level. Mm. So in conversations, when you pick charm, it's like, is my level high enough sure, to persuade sure, sure. this person? There's also intimidation, like D&D style, where it's like I would level up my fighting. What you wear has a huge impact. If you're covered in blood... People are going to freak out. Great. You I, have want, to wa- I want that. You yeah. have to wash yourself at the trough. <laughs> if, you, if you're talking to nobility and you look like a bum, they're not going to give you the time of day. But if you dress really nice, they're going to hear you out. So we're getting back do, to this damn beer. I want to talk about this beer. Does the charm <laughs> influence uh, prices, negotiation, bartering? That I do not know, but I would not be surprised. Okay. So finally get the beer. Do, that, do all that. Get the beer. But then I take a little side trip and go meet the guy for combat training. What does the beer come in? Uh, just like a pitcher. And he gives you it. It's in your inventory. You know, he's not like okay. actually carrying <laughs> okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> got it, got it. Inventory. You have a, you have a max and minimum of how much you can carry there. Sure. Maximum weight. So then I go do the training and then I finally go back to the dad and I say, here is your beer. And he, he goes, what the hell? This thing's cold. He's like, this thing's warm now and flat. Go get me another one. <laughs> Does he take a sip? No. Oh, okay. You don't see that. Yeah. All right. So then you had to go back. Because I took too long getting the beer back to him, mm-hmm. he made me do it again. And I think that little details like that are very cool. Because you wouldn't think yeah. that. You're putting a beer, beer in your inventory. You're like, oh, okay, I got it. And I'm, that's a key exactly. item. I'll bring it back to him later. Yeah. Like, time, It was a living item. Yeah, I get that. Timing is really important in this game. So, like, I think that's such an awesome way to immerse you in this world especially when it comes to quests because like you said so many games will be like fill up your quest list you know you've got your main quests and all your optional quests but because time matters so much in kingdom come i can't just get my main quest and then fool around and do like 50 side quests in a row it's like no these people are being attacked. Like, I have to go help them now. Or like, yo, this p- person wanted me to meet him at dusk. I have to go now. If you pass dusk and go, they can be gone. Like, quests can just fail like that. Like, yo, meet me outside of the tavern at dusk. Mm-hmm. And you just don't go and they're gone. That's it. Quest gone. Quest failed. Maybe, maybe you can find that guy later and maybe pick it up. Who knows? I don't know if it's that detailed, but 
little details so like is that. So this some Shenmue stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, exactly. Cool. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. With these quests that you're, you're going through, uh, it's awesome that you really have to pay attention and yeah. they're not just waiting around for you to do them. Yes. There are limits on them. But what are the rewards like? Do you really feel incentivized to go out and meet these demands? So I haven't... I'm not far enough. Like, this game is very slow-paced, and there's a lot to do and dig into. Uh, I'm not at the point where I'm getting, like, super good rewards yet. Okay. So a lot of my quests haven't really been, like, typical. They haven't been the tired and true of, like, do this and I'll reward you. It's like, do this because you're my son, or, like, do this because you're supposed to. I'm not going to reward you. Sure. Which I think is a cool build. Yeah. Um, Why does the knight like us? It never really specified. He was kind of going through town, and when I went up to him, he was like, hey, good to see you again. And it was kind of just like... We have a pre-established relationship. Pre-established, okay. yeah. Right. I'm one of the younger guys in town, I guess, and saw something in me. I don't know. <laughs> doing <laughs> Doing these uh, quests, do you feel like you're you're learning more about the immediate characters or more about the surrounding world and situation? Like, are they, are they good in terms of context? So, again... I'm not far enough. Um, this is this, no matter what, is going to be a divisive game. From the way you play it, how how demanding and how simulator like it is, mm-hmm. to the story. You know, it, are you into 1400s historical Europe? Like, with if no you, magic, no magic whatsoever. Yeah. Like, if you're not into that, yeah. this is not the game for you. End, end of discussion. Like, don't even try it. If you, if you do not like history, if like that is not your thing, then I could I I couldn't rec- I could not recommend this game. But you know, if you love history, if you're into that, if you like, you know, historically accurate, like even Assassin's Creed, I think of like that stuff makes me interested in those time sure, periods. So cool. like, if that sure. stuff doesn't excite you, like it'd be really hard to dive into this game. I feel like I guess I'm just trying to understand. Then, like, are you telling me that? You're going to get the most out of this game if you just kind of enjoy being in this environment with these restrictions. Yes. Simulating this thing. Not so much like, here are these crazy stories exactly. or anything like that, or or this this huge evolution of this character. Yeah. It's more just kind of about soaking it in. Yes, Ben. Perfect way to put it. Because it's like, sure, there's, you know, Game of Thrones style coups and rebellions, and this army is marching on this town, and mm-hmm. people are getting, like, brutally murdered, like... No spoilers, but, like, some of this stuff is, like, very, very heavy and intense. But, you know, that's all... That's all well and good. Like, we've we've been down those types of stories before, so nothing new there. Sure. But what is something to praise is really just walking around in these environments and just soaking it in. Like, being... It's just... It, I get the same feeling in Assassin's Creed, and I know it's not gonna be 100% accurate, but, like... Just turning your brain off and really getting into the world is such a fun thing. And just kind of thinking back, it's like, wow, like, people kind of lived like this back then, you know? It's obviously not the real deal, but it's like, you can kind of get a sense of how people lived in this time. And it's it's fascinating to me. Um, the thing that I worry about mm-hmm. when, when people sometimes talk about games that are <clears throat> striving to be a little bit more realistic... Mm-hmm. Uh, is that sometimes I 
I, I'm willing to accept that, and I think that could be really good and really well done. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like, no, this is just bad and clunky. Yeah. Like, I'm not really feeling like I'm a, a, a knight with a heavy sword. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm just kind of mumbling around. It's not doing a good job of giving me the sensation. It's, it's too complicated. It's mm-hmm. not... So how how is the combat? I guess what I'm ultimately trying to say is, like, does the combat work well? Well enough for you to enjoy it? Steep learning curve. Okay. Very steep. Can I hack someone once and he's dead? Not really. I need that. I know. I'm with you, dude, because these fights... Yeah. They're long. (laughs) These are long fights. Now, again, I'm early on. You know, maybe I'll get powered up. Yeah. But... Again, clothing, like I was saying earlier, is such a big deal. So if you're wearing light armor, then you're vulnerable to stabs. And if you're wearing heavy armor, then you're vulnerable to, like, smashes, like hammers and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's like in combat, if I don't have the tool to counter the armor, you know, like, basically I'm trying to say... This, you don't want to run headfirst into combat in this game, is basically what I'm saying. Combat is not optional, but like kind of like a last resort. There I are, love that, actually. I think yeah, that's cool. There are battle moments that are crazy, and like sometimes, yeah, you're going to be in a fight. You're going to have to do this, and maybe you'll have some like people with you, and that like there are some kind of smaller scale skirmishes of like 10 on 10 or something. Mm-hmm. But like even at E3 last year, when... I played a huge battle of like a 10 on 10 or like 20 on 20 it was or like a big number. Mm-hmm. My character was really powerful at that point in the game, but it was still taking so long to like whittle someone down. And I think that that might over the course of the entire game grow a little stale. Like it is really involved. It's really cool. There are like kind of for honor style where it's like, all right, top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, center, like blocking, parrying combos, like, there's a lot to dig into here. It's just a very deliberate pace. Pretty slow paced for the okay. fighting. So, And first person combat. Like, I, I don't care how good it is. I feel like no matter what, there's going to be that like, run up close, run back, <laughs> run up close, run back. Like that weird first person melee dance that yeah. we do is yeah, just so awkward. Do you get any sense with the combat that you're just kind of still in the process with learning and then yes. maybe once you've had more time with it, these fights will go more quickly? Yeah, for okay. sure. Again, only 10 hours, sure. 90 to go. So I hope that will evolve. I also really hope the yeah. characters will evolve. There's like couple supporting characters that aren't fully fleshed out yet kind of feels just generic i don't kind of a kind of a basic word there but generic generic in what way like they're just they're not really contributing anything just standard boilerplate of like the the no like the the noble knight now who is kind of like taking us under his wing or like the Ruler of this one city trying to protect his city, like at the cost of maybe other cities. Sure. Like, just I get kind of these, from. Yeah, these yeah. archetypes that are, you know, tired and true. But so, Kingdom Come, the, the way that you're approaching it right now is it's something that you're kind of chipping away at. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it is a game that sounds very dense, very dense. And so, my question to you is when you have pockets of time to revisit it, 
How are you kind of feeling about that? Or you're like, like scared to man, go back. Time to dive back in. Yeah. Or is it kind of like an excitement? I'm I'm ready to go back into this world and both. I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about it because I grew up with like Morrowind, right? Mm. That like PC style. Like I always, it's weird. I always weirdly get more immersed in PC games. I don't know what it is. For whatever reason, when I play a PC, like a Deus Ex or something... I mean, you do have your face up in it. That's probably part of it, but at the same time, I sit really close to my TV. Sure. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know what the deal is, but there's there's just yeah. that, that PC RPG feeling that I'm getting of, like, the days of old of the Oblivions and the Morrowinds, where I'm just, like, really in this world now. Yeah. Uh, what we haven't talked about is the level of jank. That is prevalent. Yeah, an important thing to discuss. Yeah, when you talked about walking through environments, I was yeah. like, do they hold up? So it's pretty. I think it's a pretty game. Okay. I think the the characters are not as impressive as the environments. I Got think the it. environments okay. are very impressive. Uh, they're not like crisis level. They're not going to be like whoa. But I booted it up and I said, wow, actually, yeah, this looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing on max settings, ultra graphics, not lagging or anything, which is nice. Uh, but again, kind of, you know, I, th- I always think of you, Kyle. Faces. Faces are good. Could maybe use a little work. Um, but I've been reading a lot of headlines about the PS4 and the Xbox One versions being rough. So rough with glitches and just bad frame rate. And I've seen the run the gamut. I've seen people teleport and weird stretchy heads. Like the videos going around right now of the bugs are crazy, but I feel like I've had this conversation so many freaking times over the years now where a game comes out and there's a headline, there's a narrative, there's something about it, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, it's that it's buggy as hell. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to think of a good example of like when a game came out, it was all about, you know, it's all about that one thing versus like the game itself. I mean, there are a lot of examples yeah. like that. Uh, I mean, you could definitely argue that Battlefront 2, the narrative was about the loot boxes. Right. That's all you really hear about is the loot boxes. Right. Yeah. You, you couldn't. I think what you're trying to describe is you couldn't have any conversation about it without that coming in because yeah. it was so dominant. Yeah. yeah. But. Here I am playing on the PC version, right. which has apparently had its share of problems. Mm-hmm. I haven't really encountered any, you sure. know, and I feel like this always happens to me. It's like yeah. I'm playing a game and it's buggy as hell, but for no one else or the exact opposite when it's buggy as hell for everyone. Right. And I'm like running fine for me. No lag. Good load times. It, no it glitches, difficult. like, and how do you incorporate incorporate that into a review? Yeah, right. especially when yeah. everyone is talking yeah. about how glitchy and buggy and janky this game is, and I'm, yeah. I haven't because you really... want to be you want to be accurate, yeah. Yeah. you want to be accurate, and yeah. that that happened to me with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, mm-hmm. where I saw a lot of reports that people were saying like, "Hey, this is crashing for me all the time." Yeah, uh, and it it crashed for me one time, mm-hmm. and then I never experienced it again, and so it wasn't it wasn't a huge yeah. issue for me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there were multiple reports that I saw people messaging me being like, hey, this is crashing me all the time. Why didn't yeah. you talk about this? And it's like, oh, man, it's it's not that I don't want to. And it definitely, if it would have impacted my experience more, I, I would have. Yeah. But it's tricky. It's, it's tricky your because experience, you, you, know? you don't, like, looking at it from their angle, mm-hmm. right, you don't want to get into something and then not be aware yeah. of the very real problems that could completely ruin your experience. Totally. So. 
Yeah. And on PC, they're like Steam, you know, it, it patches like every day, whereas the PS4 and Xbox kind of, they take a while. They got to sure. go through certification, patch certification and all that. And, you know, the big headlines, man, before this game even came out, the headlines were like, by the way, hot take. Okay. Why are the, why is this still a headline in the gaming world? Kingdom Come patch size, 25 gigs. Like, why are we still talking about patch sizes? Is that a big thing? Like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I think, there, just are, I think like, there are optimistic and cynical ways that you can view this. Okay. I think a really extremely reductive, off-the-cuff answer and it's extremely cynical. It's like, oh, it's a it's a big number. It's an easy headline. Whoa, can you believe how big this is? Mm-hmm. Does that indicate a bunch of problems? You yeah. know, it's yeah. it's it's sensational. Yeah, um, sensational, sensational. <laughs> but yeah. as somebody <laughs> on a more like optimistic angle, mm-hmm. uh, as somebody who is editing really long podcasts, yeah, uh, sometimes my hard drive space gets eaten up really quickly, uh, which is a problem I can solve for sure. But there, there are definitely times I'm installing a game or, or something I'm like, oh, I'm out, I'm out of space. Yeah. And so I have to go through my Steam list and figure out what I'm going to delete. And, and it's I can nice imagine information. I can imagine having to download that too. Internet which speeds. Is, uh, internet, internet speeds. speeds. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Internet I, speeds. Uh, but yeah, when it came out, it was like, yo, 26 gigs, 26 gig day one patch. Mm-hmm. And it's because the game is rewriting a bunch of code. I like read into this. Mm. It's not like, yo, we're adding like 26 gigs of data. It's like, yo, no. If we change some things in the game, it has to rewrite an entire like chunk of the game. So when it downloads 26 gigs, it's downloading like a big portion of the game that it's rewriting, you know? So they only changed a bit here and there, but mm-hmm. it has to download that giant chunk. But it will replace that chunk. Yeah. Okay. So just, you know, it, basically what I was saying was the console versions are taking a while to get all those patches going. Like the PC version is quicker. So, sure. Huber, I'm scared to hop into this. It's intimidating. Well, the, the hold on. The the other thing, the other, like, big headline about this game is, like, the creator and the controversy he's caused. Yes. And, like, Waypoint, like, publishing an article that's like, hey, here's why we're not talking about this game. Whoa. I haven't read that. I haven't read it. See, I haven't read okay. it either, which is why I'm apprehensive about even bringing that up. Because, yeah. But we're on the topic of, like, the headlines that are predominant over this game in particular. Yeah. And it, it, I, I mean, like, that's a talking point, too. For sure. I mean, uh, is it, like, do you not want to look into it as you're doing the review? As you're, like... No. No. I mean, I'm, I know that the creator is, like, has talked about Gamergate before and is, like, a, a big on that. Mm-hmm. Uh... But I always go back to like Assassin's Creed where I think of, you know, a team is a, it's big, you know, it's not like one person is making this game. It's not like a, like a super meat boy or whatever, like a small couple people. It's like, no, this is a huge game with like probably 80 to a hundred people working on it. Um, and I am aware of that and I am, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm too early to fully understand or fully real, fully know if that is going to impact it because he does have the sole writing credit. So it's written and directed by him. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's like Daniel, Daniel Vivera, I think is how you, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce his last name, but I'm waiting to see how all the, the story plays out. Um, I haven't really seen any interesting female characters yet. That's a big thing, but it's like, 
the 1400s, but it's like, well, are you going to use the 1400s as an excuse? So it's, there's a lot to dig into that I can't fully comment on until I finish the cool. story. All right, I appreciate that. But I am yeah. aware of it, um, and it's something I've noticed for sure. I think it's I think it's really difficult um, because I I uh, I posted on Twitter that I was like, oh hey, I'm curious about Kingdom Come Deliverance, and I, yeah. I got those messages and and uh, saw some of those things being thrown around and. I think if something makes you uncomfortable for any reason, you absolutely are not obligated to, to view or play it. But at the same time, you know, I don't... I was soliciting opinions because I also haven't played it, and I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe you maybe you play it, and there are certain characters or certain representations that bother you as a reviewer, as somebody who is is being looked at to issue an opinion on something. Maybe maybe you see something in there and you feel compelled to comment on it. But I, I also feel weird commenting on something or saying like, yes, this is definitely bad without having that experience. Like I don't yeah. think that's a good trap to fall into. And even at ten hours in, yeah. you know there making like, those kind of statements. Yeah. I mean maybe maybe you see something and you're just like Totally, absolutely. There was but. like one or two instances where I kind of had a red flag. It's like, eh. like the very beginning, the dad like smacks the wife on the ass, and I'm like, yo, fourteen hundred, did this go down? Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. Can you imagine the like this? When I say you have to be crazy to like write anything, right. like the guy's writing down like he smacks her bottom and just yeah. like grins to himself and like keeps writing. You know, like so I was like, okay. <laughs> But, but it's, then, all, uh, it's all about... But then I do want to talk about this one moment, but it's a yeah. really big spoiler. Can sure. I bring it up? Yeah, I just... Because this, this kind of relates to it. I have a question, though, and maybe it will help frame what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. With the the with this character, yeah. I mean, especially with what you described with the beer thing, yeah. I'm kind of getting the impression, without having experienced myself, that it's like, hey, no, this is a this is a bad guy. You, as the, the audience, are supposed to view this person yeah. as awful. And that's right. very different. You yes. would you would think that, but yeah. here's the spoiler. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. Your parent like the town gets invaded. Okay. You watch your parents die. Okay. You flee. Then you come back. This is all within the first little bit of the game. Yeah. Okay. You flee because you're overwhelmed, but then like you're like, dude, I gotta bury my parents. I have to go back. So he gets back and his mom and dad are there dead, which is traumatic as hell for anyone. Yeah. Sure. I don't know if I'm reading into this. Again, I need to finish this game yeah. to really dive deep in. But he only acknowledges his dad in the scene. Hmm. He comes back, his mom and dad are both there. Yeah. And he only speaks to his dad. What does he say? He's like... Basically, like, I'm going to avenge you, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Or, so like, they create this, like, nasty dad who's like, fetch yeah. me a beer. Yeah. And then, like, he's like, Dad, I miss you. Yeah. Like, that, that is funny. That is- so I was a little confused by it. But then, yeah. of course, so, and it's just the doubt, man, okay? Like, you sure. know, in the history of this guy, but then yeah. understanding there's, like, all these good, like, I've met a lot of this team at E3s and stuff. They're really jolly people. Yeah. Yeah. Women as well work there as well, with them as well but then like so i get that and i'm really weirded out by it but then there's also a scene where like the like uh the family is taking care of him and there's like this really good scene with like the the mother of the house and they have like a really good 
conversation and she seems like she could be a really good character down the line i don't know but i just thought it was a really weird moment when like both your parents are dead and you're only acknowledging sure like doesn't even like look at his mom doesn't even say like i miss you mom it was strictly to the dad especially like it'd be one thing if it there was no mom at all yeah but it's like you you make the effort to include this character and yeah. then the, the same traumatic thing happens to both of them. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds off. Seemed for weird. Sure. Seemed I mean, weird. like, I, I I go through the same doubt. I understand and I appreciate your doubt. But at a certain point, you mm. have to call something out. Yeah, how you like, see it. if it's standing out to me that much, like, but something my, I noticed. My question to you, right, is somebody who is covering games, giving opinions about them, uh, sometimes has access later than other people or has information later, you know, you're, you're bombarded by all this stuff that is issuing opinions on the things that you're covering. Are you worried that seeing those things has skewed your perspective a certain way or is, is that no, not something you worry about? I never worry about that. Okay. I, my, my first loyalty is to the game itself. You know, I try to really drown out everything now if I am, but at the same time, I am aware of the creator's history and I'm aware, I, like, I will, I guess it's impossible not to be aware of it, mm-hmm. especially when I do notice storytelling like that, where the character doesn't even acknowledge his dead mother mm-hmm. right in front of him, kind of stood out. Um, but yeah, my first loyalty is the game. Uh, if I notice more stuff, I'm like, basically, it's kind of just there in the back of my mind, sure. you know, playing the game. Reviewing the game as as fairly as I can, but if that trend continues of exclusion, maybe or misrepresentation, like I'm gonna right. call it out. But still, a lot of game left to go. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, I. I'm really curious. I'm Me curious. Too. Me too. Uh, if it will be a trend or if it'll just be a weird incident in this very large game. Yeah. But. And, and what else is ridiculous and scary for me is, like, 1400s, you know? So it's like society and times have changed over the years. Right. But the last thing I want to do is let that be an excuse, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it's at the like, same yeah, time... It's like, yeah, it's historically accurate because of yeah. the way people were treated, like, certain people were treated back then, you know? Women, of course, back in the 1400s. Right. But... Seems kind of unfair to use that as an excuse. Totally. Fair enough point. Assassin's Creed Origins, Ancient Egypt, Aya, one of the greatest Assassin's Creed characters ever. She's amazing. Ancient Egypt, you know? Yeah, but I mean... I, or or other Assassin's Creed. You know, I think of like Liberation and I think about I think about Mad Men, right? Yeah. And Mad Men... Is, is a lot of, like, we're going to show women just being treated despicably mm-hmm. uh, based on this time period that we're in, uh, based on this, this environment. But I never, like, I think being able to identify intent and to identify what the story is about, like, to me, Mad Men is a show about despicable people. Mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street is a movie about despicable people. Mm-hmm. I think there is value in presenting people as despicable. I don't even think you necessarily need some broader thing, mm-hmm. but you have to take a look at it and you have to be able to identify what is this trying to say? Is it yeah. just 
you know, putting a magnifying lens on people that are terrible, or is it trying to like prop this thing up, or is the message confusing and that how somehow makes it yeah. worse? And I think the confusion was because, like like you guys were saying, with the dad slapping her on the bottom, like I could write that off, like oh he's a bad, just a bad guy. Right, but then you but get it's this when the other son message, yeah. who is supposed to be the main character and like the good character, like this is you, this is the player character, you're playing right. a good noble guy. When he... We might have to talk about the butt slap, Huber. Yeah. Because I feel like not all butt slaps are bad. What's the context of the butt slap? She, uh, She's like going to prepare dinner or something. And he's like, ha ha ha. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's it's one of those moments where he, they're outside and she's going inside to do some chores or get make some dinner. Yeah. But then you read the historical thing of like women prepared food at that time and that was their main role in society mm -hmm. and like the historical the historical uh whatever that job is the histor historian historian <laughs> the historian yeah is a woman that worked on this game so it's like a lot of lot to dig into i don't right. want to read anything all i'm trying to do is give the game the fairest shake and call out things as I see them. Sure, cool. So, tricky. I would tricky really, thing. I think what would be extremely valuable is to get you back on Definitely. once you finished, hundred percent, be able to come back and be like, "Hey, this is how I saw it. Now yeah. I have total context for for what I'm." Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna finish. I'm hundred percent done with my other review that I was working on today or tomorrow. I'm like I've been I'm mid writing it, so I'm like halfway through the writing process, and then I'm back in, all in on Kingdom Come. Could do one of those cheap things that an anime will do is like give you a flashback with added information, and then you see him crying about his mom, like way late into the game. Yeah, it's just like they take you back there. Yeah. just like wait, that wasn't the whole scene. He cried at the end of that. Yeah, yeah, okay, they can and fix it. Patch it in. And Thirty gigs. Patch it in. Patch it in. Thirty gigs. <laughs> Thirty gigs. Just one note. Flashback. Yeah. yeah. And again, I give I'm, I'm so I always give the benefit of the doubt, and I'm like, yo, is a lot of people working on this game? Like, we'll we'll see if they really go down this this road. Yeah. And I think that one moment was so jarring and stood out to me so much because I'm a big baby, I'm a mama's boy. Yeah. If my mom was dead on my dad, it wouldn't be like, huh, it's dad, I'm so sorry, I love you, dad. It'd be like, mom and dad, mom, dad, yeah, both. Mom, Dad, Mom, that, Mom first though for sure. She was on top. Oh, okay. You know of the dad. They piled them up. Yeah, so it's just like, order. It's like, yeah. come on. Yeah. It just felt it felt off. So I mean, it sounds off. It really does. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I respect the thought process that you're going mm -hmm. through. Uh, you're you're just calling out weird things, and that is eventually going to be formed into a more complete opinion later like yeah. that's that's all it is that's yeah. gonna happen. i guess maybe the main character isn't so good i wonder if that's maybe the twist in the turn later on is that the main character might be a bad guy too that would be incredible. like idolizing the reason why he did that his that way is because he's idolizing his father or something and, yeah. and wants to like have those because then traits. yeah because when you go to the bar too he makes some like lewd comment about meeting the barmaid later on in the night like huh we're gonna meet up later like sexual undertones mm -hmm. she's into it but 
it just kind of shows more of his character, I guess. The way he like calls it out. It's so yeah, and it's one of the first things you learn about him. It's like one of the first quests, you yeah. know, going to this bar, getting a beer for your dad, and like hitting on the the barmaid. So I th- yeah, I think adding a narrative to a simulation makes it so comp- complicated. Yeah, right. because you don't know like what is aiding the narrative and what is meant to be like. Oh, this is all historically accurate. Like yeah. there is a really weird balance there. Yeah, it's. I feel like they have the main historical narrative of like the rebellion and the people conquering and stuff and yeah. then you're just this fly in the wheel. You're just this random guy who gets caught up in it all. I mean that is the premise. Okay. Basically, but yeah. long way to go, everyone. Long so way to go. We Within, will okay. see. We will see. Thirty hours if he's Russian. Yes. Within Kingdom Come, how much agency do you have to shape that character? Like is the game pretty much saying this is who he is, or are you kind of given some freedom to you know express yourself how you see fit really the only thing i've seen so far is how you choose to speak to people in terms of do you want to try to charm them or intimidate them or like outsmart them i guess mm. there's really you have like three three options i forget what that other one's called but there's like charm intimidation and one other one so that can kind of lead to things but but otherwise but otherwise yeah this is who you are tons of cutscenes and sure. this is who you are yeah pretty much okay so long way to go long way to go that's all I can say simulator there's like lock picking which is really crazy and that's the thing being in this world is really fun and I also wanted to say to bring it back to the bugs yeah uh, buggy and janky are two different things to me okay the PC version I again we oddly enough have not encountered really any bugs but this is a janky game Got jank it. as in okay. like. Awkward animations, weird kind of movement, that first person melee dance that we yeah. were talking about. So there the whole game has this this level of jank to it. Uh but in terms of technical bugs and stuff, while the console versions I hear are pretty bad, I haven't had any issues on PC. Bug to me is like I can't do what I need to yeah. do. And jank is just this doesn't feel how I would expect it yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Or or awkwardness, as yeah. you said. Um, you know, we never do this. Mm-hmm. We never go back to back with somebody for impressions. Okay. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of questioning, some heaviness with Kingdom Come. It's and a I think very it, heavy game, dude. I'm like. And I think that's good. Because I'm not, I'm that. not an expert on these subjects, yeah. guys. You know, I <laughs> just, I try to live a positive life and all just you're, all love you're doing people and is love being games. True to yourself. Yeah, that's all you can do, man. So it, I, I always feel don't freak out too much. I always it. feel weird because it's like, who am I to even accuse or say anything regarding these sensitive issues? I don't think you're accusing anybody, really, yeah, right? Like yeah. you're just saying this in, in general. This, this I mean, feels off. Yeah, yeah. But even me saying it feels off is kind of like an accusation. Sure, almost. Sure. Yeah. So I'm no expert, and I'm just. Trying to be honest. That's all I can do. Tell me about Dragon Ball Z Kai. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for you guys, actually. Yeah. Before we dive into this. This I'm an expert on. Okay. I don't want to go down the Dragon Ball Naruto road. Okay. I don't want to go down this road, but we're going to peek down the road. Okay. I'm rewatching Dragon Ball. What is this road? Okay. Here's the road. Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. is a lot about 
just getting stronger and fighting people. Yeah. No message, you mean. Yeah. Yes. Naruto Mm -hmm. really develops their characters and dives into the emotional aspects of just life from all angles, from the Hokages all the way down to the fishermen and sushi people, you know? You see life. Sure. Never really get that in Dragon Ball Z. My question to you is, does Dragon Ball Super dive into more of the humanity of these characters? Or is it still very much get strong, fight the next person? I'd say Vegeta is as good as it gets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I, oh, I, I think we're going to talk about that beautifully. Perfect. Okay. Right. I think you can, uh, you can talk. I think Vegeta is a good thing to bring up, but I would argue that Dragon Ball Super dives l- way less into the humanity than Dragon Ball Z did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, because I think, like, specifically if you're talking about, like, Frieza and her yeah. relationship with races that she saw as his. lesser, like Saiyans and Mechians and things, uh, or, or just, like, characters that feel like they have a right to power, there are some... I'm not saying they're, like, incredible or super well-developed or anything, but in Dragon Ball Z, I think you could definitely argue themes. Yeah. There's a lot of time in Dragon Ball Super where it's like, we're just having a good time. Yes. For, like, entire storylines, we're just having a good time. There's... And that's what I want to say. There's nothing wrong with that. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Dragon Ball Kai, I have been watching so much. I am... At Frieza versus Goku, mm-hmm. Frieza is now at about a third of his third of his power. <laughs> Wait, he's you... like he's like I'm gonna charge up to fifty percent. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. this part, dude. He's like I'm gonna charge up to fifty percent. He says that'll be enough to grind you into cosmic dust. Nice line. I like yeah. that. Yeah, Ritsu, some really good lines. I I <laughs> forgot over the years, uh, but that's where I am. Yeah, and. I love Dragon Ball so freaking much. It's got some problems that that has like some parts of it that haven't haven't aged well. I really don't like Captain Ginyu body swapping. Like I don't know if you guys remember. There's I love like it. Frieza fighting Goku. Yeah, Frieza's fighting Goku, and there's an episode like middle of the battle when they start kicking it up a notch. Like we're not playing games anymore. There's this whole thing of like, remember Ginyu gets turned into a frog? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember he takes Bulma's body? No. He takes Bulma's body. She's hang uh, the frog then hanging on to like the jet the pot race thing they have. They get there. Ginyu's there. Then they meet up with like Piccolo and Gohan and Krillin and like Bulma. You're acting weird. Like this is weird. And real Bulma's a frog the whole time? Yeah, and frog is, like, trying to talk to Gohan, like, hey, it's me, it's me. And then Gohan thinks it's Captain Ginyu as the frog. I'm just like, dude, I cannot believe this is Kai because I thought it was filler. Yeah. So I I completely agree with you. And I think that that is something that not only happens in Dragon Ball Z, but I'm also experiencing in Super. And I know you are very sensitive to Super Spoilers, so I'm not going to do that. But just this persistent problem with Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super where there's just they have something that they're saying this is the real threat and like you think about Frieza yeah. and you think about how tyrannical Frieza is and how they want build up yeah. I feel like they overdo it like 
You've got a good thing going on with yeah. Frieza. We don't need all of these other guys. We don't totally. need all of these other battles. We don't need... There's just too much. Like, mm. get to the point a Well, that's why Kai is so beautiful, because the buildup has been flawless, dudes. Oh, my God. Okay, so first, like, to bring it all back, dude, we start with Raditz, right? Which is this beautiful opening to Dragon Ball Z. It's also lightning fast. It's so fast. Yeah. And, like, I forgot, too, we see Bardock dying at the hands of Frieza in the first episode, which sets up this, like, huge overarching mm -hmm. trajectory and mission, right? He, Dude, Bardock, like... All the Saiyans chart like that scene is iconic, dude. Mm -hmm. Legendary. Frieza's just laughing yep. and does the one yep. finger, like giant destructive ball towards him, and they're all just like, ah! as Bardock's like dying and fading away, he's like, Kakarot, and like has a vision of Kakarot facing Frieza. And he's just as he's dying and being like melted away, he just smiles. Like a really emotional opening. Then you get Raditz coming, who's like his brother, and we start learning about all these Saiyans, and, what I and love, Goku's sacrifice, and the uneasiness with Piccolo. What I love about the Raditz introduction, and you really lose that so quickly in Z, mm -hmm. is you remember when he lands, and it's just him and this one farmer yeah. who's trying to figure out what's going on, Yeah, and because he's only just intimidating and destroying one person it feels way more intimate rather than like yeah i'm here look i destroyed a city already totally. you know yeah uh, and i Small i really scale. miss that with a lot of the villains yeah uh where yeah i mm. and the reliance on their scouters yeah so this is a huge plot point all the way from raditz to frieza huge like this is having repercussions now goku versus frieza the earthlings can sense power levels so like Piccolo, all them, they have the ability to sense your power level. Mm -hmm. Whereas Raditz, Vegeta, well, Vegeta can now sense power levels. He learned it. But Raditz, Nappa, the Ginyu Force, Frieza, they have to see you or use their scouter. They can't feel you. So like there's a scene when Goku's fighting Frieza and the smoke goes up and, and Frieza's like firing through the smoke. And then Goku's like, he's like, oh, he can't see me. Like these guys can't, he can't sense power levels. Like good to know. So then he does that sick, dude. Oh my God. The best moment so far. He's like, Goku gets knocked under the water and like freezes above him and Goku's under the water and he's like, he's like, oh man, I wonder how Master Roshi's doing. Like, haven't done this in a while. And he's underground and he does, yep. man. Yep. Ah, he does Kamehameha and he does like two balls of Kamehameha, right? And he sets him there. Do you remember any of this? No. Dude, it's the best. So he sets the, the two Kamehameha balls under the water. There's never been a Kamehameha ball. Yeah. There's like two of them. Okay. And he go. he like swims away. And he's like, all right, launch. Like launches one and Frieza like freaks out. And then he launches the other one. Mm -hmm. And Frieza thinks obviously that he's right there. And Frieza's like, oh, yeah. Goku out of nowhere from like. The top dude comes and like double drop kicks Frieza in the face, like both feet on his face, like one of those huge blows. By the mm. way, Dragon Ball Z, the original, the progenitor, the OG, feeling the hits. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z started the close that. up, right? And you yes. see the impact of it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yes. So. Just, I love the power level thing. Uh, I love them always reading things on the scouter. Like, that's such a big thing. Can you, like, uh, what's really cool is Gohan and them figure it out 
a long time ago that the the Frieza and them can't sense battle power. So they have a moment where they fight Dodoria and Zarbon and stuff, and they blast all the 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 scouters. Or a Namekian does it actually. They destroy all the scouters. Well, like Dende? Uh, one of the village elders. Oh, cool. They like, blast all the scouters away, so there's no scouters left. So then when they call the Ginyu Force, they're like, yo, make sure they bring some scouters. Which I think is really cool. Just yeah. like that reliance on the technology yeah. because, I think was so cool. Because it's just it's just a limit in a world that very much needs limits. Like like yeah. now it's like we can get anywhere in any universe yes. immediately, you know. And Limitations. Just, you want you want some obstacle that isn't just beams and punches and kicks. Yeah. Uh something that I wanna pose to you that I'm curious about because you're right in the middle of it, and something yeah. that is like driving me absolutely insane. Uh the anger and the performance from Goku uh, during Frieza, that fight, the reason why I think it's so incredible to me mm-hmm. and why it left such a mark on me is because you really get this sense of anger and loss from Goku when Frieza uh, kills Krillin and how much yeah. that means to him. And then, like, just just all of this stuff, like, Goku can't contain it, and that's what pushes him over the edge. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at with Goku now... I feel like, dude, do you care about anything? Like, you're you're fighting because you like to fight and you're yeah. really strong, but there's there's nothing kind of underpinning that fight that's making me invested in your character. Where yeah. Vegeta has that sometimes. It definitely comes through, particularly with his rivalry with Goku. And I yeah. think, like, with the Majin Vegeta stuff, that's really emotional yeah. and really good. But, like, after the Frieza saga, to me, we just kind of lose it. I agree. And that's always been the culmination. With Goku, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's always been the culmination to me because this time going through, I really noticed how badass Gohan is. Mm-hmm. I always underappreciated him as a kid. I thought he was annoying. I was like, dude. Stupid haircut. It's like, Gohan, get yeah. out of here. I don't care about you. I'm a young teenager and you're a crybaby. Like, that's how I felt. Yeah. Now I'm just like, dude, Gohan's growth. Whoa. Gohan going against like Frieza Form 3, like holding his own. It's like, shit. This is sick. But the biggest emotional payoff, I'm glad you brought up Vegeta. Yeah. There's a moment when Vegeta dies by Frieza, and he's he's dying, and it's his dying wish. He's, like, tearing up, crying. Maybe the most emotional scene in Dragon Ball Z history. Vegeta's dying there dead, and we finally get that Naruto-style emotion that I'm looking for, right? I'm I'm sorry. This is not a Dragon Ball vs. Naruto war. They're both tens. You can have two tens. We only peaked on that road. We're not they, going down. Yeah, they can. Yeah. They can just just they, a little peek on the, the They road. can both coexist. So, Vegeta's telling him the history of planet Vegeta. And we see, we see that flashback when Vegeta's a kid just ruthlessly killing people. We see his dad. We see Nappa with some hair only for a brief second. They're all just smiling and laughing. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. This is good stuff. We, and then we see, like, Vegeta basically bawling his eyes out, saying, we've been used. That's all we are to yeah. him, are just puppets to destroy. And he begs Goku to feed into his Saiyan anger. He's like, this is who you are. You're a Saiyan. And Goku refuses to accept it. He's like, I'm a human. He refuses to tap into that Saiyan Nature, mm-hmm. obviously, until Krillin dies, I'm not there yet. I'm right. like an episode away from that big moment. Right. But just this plea was so epic. I was getting so emotional. I was like, this, this is this is it. This is the culmination. This is the peak of just, you know. It, well, I guess what I want to say is, too, is ma- like that's kind of the whole premise, how you were saying about Goku, right? How there's kind of nothing there. 
Well, I feel like it's basically at this point just like he's a Saiyan and he loves to fight. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> but what's weird to me about Goku is like you have him as a little kid and he's this Terry, he's this Saiyan menace, mm-hmm. and then he, you know, bonks his head and he becomes good. And to me, there was this element of like Goku being kind of this, he, he valued being good above all else. Like yeah. he really adored people being good and wanted to protect people because they were good. Yeah. And it, it was very generic, but he was like just this strong figure of light. And now that's kind of faded to where he's just kind of like this bumbling idiot that really likes fighting because it's fun and I'm going to reject all else. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's like he doesn't care about anything. Yeah. Whereas before, I feel like when he saw tragedy, mm-hmm. you really got a strong reaction from him, and I'm just not seeing that yeah. in the same way anymore. I think it's because the stakes were higher. You have so many people dying and coming back to life now. I mean, these people have, been, have died. So, mm-hmm. like, what could they possibly be afraid of? They've already died. And sure. been killed. Their friends have been killed. Like, well, what's interesting is like Vegeta is pretty much like right there with Goku, and I think he's a lot more interesting and makes way more interesting decisions a lot of times. Yeah, I don't know. And um, I wonder if that's just because Vegeta's always chasing Goku to like yeah. catch up on power level, when Goku's just like retired in a weird way. I know super obviously. I know he's fighting, and I know Cell and Boo. Goku fights, but like. I feel like after Frieza, he's, like, retired in a weird way. He's done it all. He avenged his entire species. Mm. He's, like, saved Earth. Like, that's the end game, man. Like, I'm going to walk off into the sunset and be a Super Saiyan. The legend is done. It's over. Like, there's a lot. GG. Oh, there's a lot I want to talk about. I know, I know. uh, You mentioned Gohan and and being more attached to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thinking back to, like, the Namekian saga, something that I I actually really liked uh, is... Kind of how they used Gohan to keep Krillin relevant. Because obviously it's like, okay, Goku's going to keep getting stronger. Love that bond. And and Krillin can't keep up. But, you know, whereas you had this this Goku-Krillin partnership before where they were a little bit more equivalent and a little bit more relatable to each other, now you're seeing that shift to his son. And I thought that was a really good pivot and use of that character. And I, I loved how involved Krillin still was. And what drives me nuts is you kind of see the same thing happen with Gohan where he just skyrockets in power and Krillin gets left behind. Yeah. And I, I still don't feel like they really know what to do with Krillin. Dude, I love that you brought that up because there's this moment in the Saiyan saga when they ambush Nappa and Piccolo and Krillin like do some major damage to him. Nice. And Nappa's like full hurling towards Gohan on the ground and Gohan is supposed to like blast Nappa but he freezes Mm -hmm. because this is like his first encounter you know he's green he's rough like he panics and it like that to me is the first encounter the first interaction of Krillin and Gohan like Mm -hmm. teaming up and the way that builds over time because Krillin is like go on do it like what are you doing but then like obviously Piccolo dies and it's like Krillin and Gohan left and they're trying to do their best and then obviously they go to Namek together with Bulma and like Bulma's kind of the tech and like obviously not a fighter so Krillin and Gohan have to go around and like collect the Dragon Balls together, and just their partnership mm-hmm. is one of the highlights for sure. Yep, I love it. 
So good. That was a, a good burst of energy. I, I love it, dude. Yeah. Dragon Ball Kai. It's perfect. Perfection. I'm on like episode 44. That, so Kai, nice. really good. Going yeah. from Raditz to Frieza fight. 44 episodes. Sign me up. I'm not sure how Kyle did it, uh, but for me, like, I watched a little bit of Dragon Ball Z Kai, but I didn't do what you're doing where you're going through the whole thing and yeah. then you're going to go into Super. I pretty much just went into Super. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, now that you're kind of doing them back to back, once you get to Super, how you feel about it. Totally. And, and the new the new things that it brings to the I'm table. very excited. I saw yeah. both of the movies, Battle of the Gods, Resurrection F. Are you going to yeah. watch that? Because they recount those movies in the anime. That's I'm the just going to watch all of the okay. anime. Yeah. All right. oh, and I think even the filler, too. I heard about Miyamcha ba- and Baseball, man. I got to watch that. That is, I think, that is my favorite <laughs> episode of Super. Yeah. That filler episode. But, yeah. like, some of the, oh, some of so the thumbnails I see, though, for the filler episodes, I'm like, there's no way this is canon. You know, it is. <laughs> it's like not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, Mr. Satan with Super Saiyan hair. I'm like, skip. Oh, my God. You know, like, yeah. so he's the, he's the Sandman stuff I... Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Sandman filler, no. Just really good, like, kills, too. Like, when Vegeta kills Dodoria. Yeah. It, dude, okay. Any first time? of all, can we talk about Vegeta's body count, first of all? Sure. Dodoria, Zarbon... Every single member of the Ginyu Force. That's all Vegeta? All Vegeta. Vegeta kills Dodoria. He kills Zarbon. Then he kills Goldo. Surprise attack, because Goldo's fighting Gohan and Krillin. Vegeta, cheap shot in the back of the neck, cuts his head off. Oh, yeah. Then Goku... I don't remember that kill. Then he gets messed up. Goku comes, weakens Raccoon, and... Burder, I like the. I'm doing the American names. I watch in Japanese, but it's like butter. I get it's weird seeing the new name names in Japanese. So Goku takes him out, like Raccoon and Burder, and then Jason. Jace goes to find Captain Ginyu. Vegeta kills them while they're down. S- like stomps on Raccoon's neck, blasts Burder. Goku's like, they couldn't even move. Like, why are you killing him? He's like, they could have come back. You're too soft. Yeah. It's so I good. I want a yeah. poster. So many kills in my room that just has. A giant Vegeta, and then up the top it just says Vegeta body count, and yeah. then that's everybody. <laughs> it's it's everybody. Yeah. So many kills. Uh them up. Too good. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you always bring some interesting stuff. Yeah. And uh one to me is definitely more surprising than the other. Both are good, okay. but one's more surprising than the other. Let's do the let's do jazz punk. Yeah. Jazz punk. What, what jazz is punk. jazz punk and why did you decide to play it now? Jazz punk is I'd, I'd, call, I'd call it a first-person adventure game. Okay. Uh, I think I remember watching somebody play it back at game trailers, like Justin Spear era game trailers. I don't mm. think it's a. I don't think it's a new game. No, no. no. Um, but I think it, it was released on PS4 last year. I'm thinking like 2013, 2014, yeah, something like that. Um, it's kind of visually interesting, and what's appealing to it, me about it, Ben, is. Uh, these kinds of games that don't have a gameplay loop. These kinds of games that mm-hmm. I'm not fighting the same thing throughout the entire game. I'm not doing the same, solving the mysteries the same way. I'm not doing the same puzzles throughout this entire game. It's you're moving through these environments and there's new things to do the entire time. Uh, I love a game like that. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of like VR games in that way, where it's just like, okay, and here's the next thing you're doing. It's like, cool. Um, wh- 
I too enjoy that. Um, yeah. Once in a while, though, with those types of games, uh, like What Remains of Edith Finch is a game I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when I'm frustrated about when I'm when I'm going through these environments and it's always something new, and sometimes the different areas that you're in are radically different from each other. Sometimes what ends up happening to me is there are some sections that I think are really strong and I love and other sections that I don't really care for as much, not necessarily that they're bad, but because they're so different, I end up being like, oh, I wanted a little bit more of this and a little less of that. Yeah. Do you get any of that with jazz punk? So n- no. What's cool is, Ben, is that there's, I think there's only like five levels, mm. but they're huge. And so the first level is uh, there's a huge building in front of you and you can go straight into it and keep the mission going. But there's just so much to do in the park and the streets around it. Uh, You know, if you like talk to this frog, he's like, hey, I need the Wi-Fi password for this place. And then for some reason it becomes like a frogger game and you're like trying to get him across the street. And then like he's like, "Okay, now we're hacked in. And like you put on this headset and then you like try to like with your tongue, try to catch the, like the parts of the Wi-Fi code. This it's, sounds awesome. Yeah, it's like, and that that's just a tiny, tiny part. And if you hate that part, it's okay. You move on. It was like two minutes, you know. Uh, there's just really cool. There's t- things like that where you like go into a whole separate game. Yeah. Like there's this one that's like, um, it's like Goldeneye, but it's like wedding themed, and so everybody has wedding themed weapons. And there's no like, there's no trophy assigned to it. It has nothing to do with the story. It has nothing to do with you completing that level it is simply there it's simply there to find and play around with i just want to have to know these wedding theme weapons like we we shooting flowers at people uh champagne bottles okay (laughs) that's good um i think like a cake was like the one hit kill weapon i actually don't remember all of them specifically but yeah they were cool weapons uh so (laughs) with this game there are certain games that i've played um like i think of frog fractions for example sure where when I think of, Fro- I love Frog Fractions. I haven't played the the sequel, but I think of the original Frog Fractions. Like the appeal of Frog Fractions to me was just the excitement and the anticipation of how insane it was going to keep going. Not yeah. necessarily an overall story or theme or anything. Is that kind of what Jazz Punk is, where it's just kind of this roller coaster, or is there? a cohesiveness there at all? There's a little cohesion in that, like you're off. You you have a mission you're given a mission to accomplish at the beginning of each thing. And that can be kind of fun. You know, it's just sure. like find this person and get this information from him or yeah, things like that. This is kind of cool, like spy narrative. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what's driving you through each part. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the aesthetic and everything too, which is kind of cool. Um, but the fun of the game is exploring the environments and, and peeking around. Uh, I would think that the developer's intent is for the humor to be a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, but to me, I'm not laughing, but it's still, it's, it's still unified in its humor in a way, which is weird to say it's still consistent. And so in its persistent comedy, it's at least an interesting take. It's an interesting world. And so even if I'm not laughing at your jokes, I'm still into the environment that you're creating. Yeah. That is something that you bring up to me. That is always, that is fascinating for me for a long time. And I, I struggled to articulate it, but there are a lot of times with games that rely heavily on humor where I'm I am totally not laughing. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily think that it's all that funny, but the humor adds something. It gives yeah. it it gives it a style that is so different that I can appreciate it even if I don't think it's hilarious and want to go tell those jokes to my friends. Yeah. I think that's still really valuable, but it's it's way different than when I watch a movie or a TV show where it's all about did did this trigger a, a chuckle in me? Like I'm not I'm not waiting for those triggers. It's just kind of like a wrapper that goes around the whole thing. Yeah, uh, like you were describing. Yeah. Um, 
You mentioned the aesthetic, and I want to get back to that, but why 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 are you playing jazz punk right now in 2018? I think it was it was recommended by a friend. A friend told oh, me like you okay. sh- you should play jazz punk, and I downloaded okay. it a while ago and just like didn't get to it until January, until like until I think after we did Game of the Year awards. I think that was like my first like okay, I, I went through Hellblade, I went through Wolfenstein 2, yeah. and it's like, a lim- give me like a little fun game, and I'm like l- looking through my library, it's like, oh, I'll play Jazz Punk now, let's do Jazz Punk. Cool. You know, it's a short one too, you know? And so, yeah, it was, and I actually, you know, I like it a lot. Okay, all right. Uh, you mentioned the, the aesthetic, uh, yeah. adding a big part to the game. What, what is the aesthetic like? Um, it's very vibrant. It's colorful. Ooh. It is... Uh, Oh, I, 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 it's such an appeal to me. I don't know. I, I guess you could call it low poly, um, but highly detailed um, in that the textures aren't detailed, but the things in the environments are. You know what I mean? So if you if you are doing I'm low... I'm this game up. I'm sorry. Yeah, please oh, do. I need, I need to see a picture. You might help me describe it. Okay. Uh, in that you have low quality textures and low polygons, you're mm-hmm. able to put more things in the world, uh, and just you know I love that. Like, like I love a bathroom, you know, and so yeah. I love seeing more things in the bathroom that should be in a bathroom. Wait, is this VR or no? No, dude, this game looks not like I thought it looked. This is okay. Cool. So help me. What did I do wrong? How did I explain this wrong? I mean, it's first person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you said for that. So no, I thought I think he, I'm pretty I sure he a did. first person adventure game oh, okay. was the, the then I, I missed I that. In. What okay. does Wikipedia call it? Adventure video game. Adventure. Okay, yeah. So like a first person adventure with uh I don't even know how you describe this. Yeah, <laughs> like this it's cool. it is, yeah. and it's unique. It, it doesn't look like another <laughs> game. Having you know? seen <laughs> screenshots of video of Jazz Punk, I do yeah. feel a little bit bad being like, tell me what this looks like. It's yes. not an easy task. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, you know, I like any game that's just like, oh, nothing else looks like this. This is mm-hmm. its own thing. So yeah. Dude. Yeah. Cool. Cool I'm little game. Tree do you game. Th- <laughs> oh, cool. Do you think uh, so- with something like Jazz Punk? Because sometimes I think about uh, like even with Frog Fractions, uh, where it was the that game to me was so much about the novelty and figuring out what it actually was that when there eventually was a sequel, it's, I, I'm still curious about it. I still want to know. But it's like, okay, now I'm going in expecting this insanity. And it's yeah. just, it's a little bit different. No, no matter what you do, the approach of it is a little bit different. You can't be caught off guard in quite the same way, I feel like. Um, with something like this, where you played it, it was short, you had a good experience, are you just completely content with that thing on its own? Or would you like to see them take another stab at this? Maybe not with all of the components, but maybe with like the style or or the structure or anything like that? No. It's been explored. Do something else next You're time. You're good. Yep. So you, <laughs> yeah. what, you want something wildly different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, but not wildly different in terms of uh, design. I don't even know how you design this other than like here's the environment I want and here's all the stuff I want in it. Mm. You know what I mean? You're not like designing what the jump is going to be like and, and how many how much ammo drops you should have around, you know? And so it, sure. it is. It's its own weird, strange thing to make this kind of adventure game. Um, and I'm of, sure there were many, you know? Kind of like in Immersive Sim. I was immersed, Uber. <laughs> I was immersed. <laughs> There's no Sim element in this at all, though. <laughs> I know. I don't know where the Sim comes from, I guess. I guess if you're like Denton and Deus Ex, you're like in that world. Yeah, you got but dialogue you're not, options. But yeah. you're, not, you're not feeling like simulated in this environment, I guess? No, yeah, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Immersive Sim. Thanks, PC Gamer. Confirmed it. It's canon. Love PC Gamer. 
there there are so many words so there are a lot there's there's probably more at least like definitely more than 10 maybe more than 20 words that I wouldn't say the other allies have ruined quite the opposite but like when they're said made notable I can't not think of your face like I when I'm yeah. 80 years old I will yeah. associate like no one is ever going to be able to say jolly to me without <laughs> Strong yeah. feelings of easy allies coming back ever. Yeah. That will never happen. Good. You've usurped Santa. Yes. yes. You're now my first connotation with uh, Jolly. Take that, Santa Claus. <laughs> I want to play jazz punk. How's the soundtrack? Is it jazzy? Ooh, I'm pretty sure I was not listening to it as oh. I played it. Yeah, for most of it. Yeah, because actually the way that when a character speaks, they have like in-game subtitles appear next to them and like... like uh, the font is like taking up actual space within the world, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But then I learned later on that like they were saying things other than those subtitles appearing in front of their faces. And cause I'd be like missing something. I'm yeah. like, where are the subtitles? And yeah. like, I have to turn up the volume. I'm like, Oh, you're talking to me. So yeah, I missed a lot and not listening to the audio <laughs> in that game, but I got a podcast. Yep. Got to watch my TV shows. It sounds like Mossman. Yep. Multitask. Yeah. Double dip. <laughs> you got to double dip. You got to you got to accomplish more than one thing at a time these days. I'll listen to Dragon Ball Z in English when I'm eating dinner, but then as soon as I'm done eating, I put subs. Have yeah. been <laughs> resorting to that myself where if I'm just watching the thing, yep, cuz sometimes you just need to get more than one thing done. Yep. We're human beings. All right. Uh dub it. We were having a good time. Yeah. We were having a really good time. Yes. You know this podcast it's it's We've we've been all over the place, uh, but now we're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> now we're gonna have a bad time. You know why? Because what happened on the last episode of Frame Trap, which Huber you were a part of, we never broke out of the Frame Trap dimension. Did nobody win? No, somebody won, oh. and we just did not break out. Wow! It was a gross neglect of my and our responsibilities as people who try to prevent the demons from destroying this world and as a result the demons were like you're not worthy to be graced with our presence to interact with anymore we're gonna we're gonna get rid of this unless you say this one word that of course you're never going to say but then kyle bossman out of nowhere of course says it and brings us back now we gotta deal with this frame trap realm again oh it was usurped oh it was usurped. They didn't think we would say usurped, They huh? didn't think... They, okay. they didn't... Let me put it this way. They're huh. being very antagonistic because we've yeah. been grossly uh, neglecting our responsibilities. Yeah. They didn't think we were we were of usurped caliber. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, hold on. If I didn't say it, they would have left us alone forever? That's what they told me. Oh. That's what they told me. Okay. All right. So, if you're watching this show, you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> that was just a bunch of nonsense. But... Uh, we'll show them. We what Show we do is uh, to to kind of break up the flow, uh, have a little bit of fun. We have this game that we always do, and it'll be a game where my panelists will compete. So in this instance, Kyle Bossman will be competing against Michael Huber. Yeah. He'll be answering some questions, um, and this is also the part where we'll talk about our lovely sponsors who are contributing to the show and helping us out. Uh, I do want to give you guys what we're going to be quizzing you on today: Dragon Ball Z power levels. No, Damn it. maybe we can do something with Dragon Balls in the future, but uh, not today. Uh, we're doing, so there are some long running series and my, my favorite cotton frame trap that I've done 
is is this Sonic character real or fake? Oh, this will be fun. That okay. was my favorite one. So that that's not this one, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. Fine. Yeah, that was that was. I'm saying that was my favorite one that yeah. I've done. Uh, but kind of in the vein of that is uh, <laughs> kind of in the vein of that. There are a lot of long-running <laughs> series that have many, 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 many games. Yeah. I've picked out some games. I've got seven of them. I want you to tell me if this is actually a game in the series or if I made it up. Okay. Uh, so before, when we did this, I would like have a set of questions for one panelist and a set of questions for the other. Yeah. That always kind of ended up being a little bit unbalanced. I felt like one person was a little bit more favored. So now I've just got seven of them, which I believe is the most we've ever done on the show. Nice. And you just have to be the first to tell me if it's real or fake. Okay. Now, once again, you're going to have to listen to the name, game, name of the game, Whisper Hotake. The first to Whisper Hotake gets to answer. If you get it wrong, it doesn't go to the other person. That point, it's just gone. Oh. So there's no downside to saying Hotake, though. We got to worry about our game balance here. Yeah, Ben. If I have four, if I have three points, or something, like I can sabotage basically. If yeah. I don't know it, I can just get rid of that point so Kyle doesn't get it. Yeah. All right. So this game balancing is pretty atrocious. Yeah. I think it should go to the other person. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Be the penalty. Yeah. You're you're a little more apprehensive right. about saying Hotake. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, was yeah. that was bad game balance. It's all right. We gotta. We I gotta must just, find a way to punish myself. We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> the demons will figure it out. We gotta, yeah. we gotta the demons the demons. You're right. It'll go to the other person, <laughs> yeah. as it should. Uh, but before we get started, let's talk about our sponsors. Yeah. Our first sponsor, Greg, the Dark Knight Kettering. Mm. Cool dude. Thank you, Greg. Another cool dude, Nate Keylock, known on Twitch as Smolgate. Thank you, Nate, for your support. Our next sponsor is Zen Market which is a Japanese shopping proxy service, meaning that for only 300 yen per item, that's less than $3, you can buy games, anime, merch, and more directly from Japanese online stores. You can even bid in real time on Yahoo Auctions if you are looking for rare or used items. Plus, it's easy to buy things from multiple stores and consolidate them for free into one box before you ship them home. Sign up today and get a 300 yen bonus you can use toward your first purchase. It's easy to manage everything from shopping to shipping right from your account on Zen Market's website. Don't forget, don't pay more than you have to for that sweet Japanese booty. And helpful staff are always waiting to guide you on your journey. Should you need assistance, find Zen Market on social media or just go to zenmarket.jp and check it out for yourself. Our next sponsor is Taker34. He says, expert quiz, what are games called when they don't have a single loot box in them? I don't know if you know. Is this a joke? Might be a joke. Honest games. Canceled. That is a very good joke. Very good joke. Sorry, who was that? That was Taker34. <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke, Taker. Make sure to not follow at Taker34X on Twitter unless you're currently working on a new Legacy of Kane game. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's all right. Our last but certainly not least sponsor is Two Hours to Live, which is an interactive story for those who enjoy reading. The object of the story is to keep Jay O'Connor alive by guessing his next move correctly. If you answer the questions correctly, you keep Jay on track with the time in the story. If you guess incorrectly, you will cause time to be subtracted from his life. Be careful, though. Get too many questions wrong. The character will die, and the story ends. Your job, reader, if you choose to accept it, is to get Jay to the end of the story and reveal a not-so-expected ending. 
Check out Two Hours to Live and other works at kg2entertainment.com. Cool. Love you guys, cheese, and adventures. You guys ready? Yes. Now I feel bad. Now I want, now I want to give you the Sonic one. Because here's what I was confused by. When you said series, I thought you had like series of games that you typically do. What do you mean? So you oh. in, you introduced saying like so uh, there's a bunch of series out there and this is yeah, like yeah. continuing yeah. the Sonic series. The Sonic series, yeah. That's not a bad idea. You should bring I'm, it back. I might use that. Okay. I might use that. That's good. All right. So again, to clarify, these are uh, games in long running series that might either be real or fake. Okay. You have to tell me. Be the first to whisper Hotake into the mic mm-hmm. after I say it. Okay. So this is from Pac Man. The game name is. Pack in time. Hotake. Fake. That's real. That's a point for Huber. Uh, That's a puzzle platformer. Pack Uh, in time? Yeah, it's a puzzle platformer. Yeah, I'll let you Uh, take that one, Kyle. Apparently, I I have no idea. According to Wikipedia, it is a reskin of a game called Fury of the Furries, uh, developed by Callisto, who, fun fact, did Nightmare Creatures. Nightmare Creatures? And then they made a furry game? No, this was... Pre-Nightmare Creatures. Oh, okay. This is pre-Nightmare right. Creatures, yep. <laughs> Yo, when are we going to get Dust in Elysian Tale sequel? When is that coming? No uh, that person made a Metal Gear Solid style game. What? Oh, that yeah, was I them? do remember that. Yeah, same okay. developer. Okay. Yeah. The next one from the Super Monkey Ball series. Okay. Okay. Super Monkey Ball Step and Roll. Hotake. Huber. Fake. Real. Yes. The point for Kyle. Just uh, Super Monkey Ball Step and Roll, a Super Monkey Ball game for the Wii where you could use the balance board to control the ball. Oh, mm. no. That sounds janky. <laughs> Work on those abs, though. <laughs> All right. The next one is from the Contra series. <laughs> okay. Omega Contra. Hotake. Kyle. Fake. That's fake. Ooh. Nice. This is a hard game. Omega, was there some was that, there? Yeah. Was there was some on, there? Uh, like Game Boy Advance or something? Huh? Omega Contra? So that, game that, was was that was fake. That oh, was fake from, <laughs> from Ben's imagination. <laughs> yeah. Omega Contra, Omega Contra is fake. All right. The next one is from the Banjo-Kazooie series. Okay. Banjo-Kazooie, Grunty's Revenge. What the fuck? Oh. Huber. That's real. That is real. What <laughs> platform was that on? I don't know. I just <laughs> read Kyle. I knew it. Yeah. Oh, Kyle, gave, Kyle it gave it away. Kyle, Kyle gave, gave it away. It away. <laughs> Straight up. So you were able to say, you were able to look at me and say Hotake <laughs> before I could do it. I knew that you recognized the game. I saw it on your face. You recognized that game. And if you, if I've you, never even heard of it. If you pay close attention, I'm struggling to remember the word <laughs> Hotake. I think I whispered something. Oh. Ooh, it yeah. was it was just like a, a mess of noise, I feel like. <laughs> yes. What Kyle? What is Grunty's Revenge on? Is, is that it? the Game Boy Advance? That's game? the Game Boy Advance <laughs> yeah. game. Correct. Oh. Correct. Gotcha. Oh man. I think that that was like mental critical damage. I know. Right I, I need like a poker sunglasses. <laughs> All right. I've played bets against this man <laughs> many times. <laughs> All right. The next one <laughs> is from the Kirby series. Shield ready, Kyle Bossman. Oh my god. Next one is from the Kirby series. Kirby Star Brawl. Huber. 
real. Fake. Damn it. Oh, that's good, Ben. Star Brawl. Dude, the stars. I almost bit Sticker on it. Sticker stars. Yeah, I almost bit on that one, actually. <laughs> Star Brawl, not a real title. Because the there's Kirby even, there's series. like a Kirby fighting game that's only them fighting. There's Star Stacker. Yeah. Star Stacker. Wow. And, like, brawl yeah. something. Oh, contentious game today. Are we down the last one? No, we got two more. Okay, all right. The next one from the Wolfenstein series. Wolfenstein RPG. Hotake. Huber. Fake. That's real. Shit. Uh, it's a mobile game, and you, did you play I like Doom RPG? No. No. Yeah, so it's... my. I haven't played it, but my understanding is that it is like that as well. So yeah, Wolfenstein RPG, real. It's another point for Kyle. Wow. To me, that one seemed like too crazy for Ben to make up. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wouldn't give us that little that little thing for free. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in your head. Yeah, okay. Um, so let me just make sure I've got my scoring right. So pack in time, you got wrong, Kyle, yeah, right? that was a Huber point. So that was a Huber point. So that's one for Huber. Super Monkey Ball, Step and Roll. You got wrong, Huber. That was a point for Bosman. Yeah. Omega Contra... You I got, got that right, one right. Yeah. and that was a point for Kyle. Yeah, uh, Banjo Kazooie, Grunty's Revenge. Uh, you got right, Huber. So that was a point for Huber. <laughs> <laughs> Kirby Star Bra, you got wrong, and so that was a point for Bosman. Yeah. So we have tied okay, it up. Four and t- no, 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 it's four and two. Oh. So Kyle, you have four, and Huber has two. Is there okay. one question left? Yeah. There's only one question. Oh, left. sorry, Liz. We got it. We're gonna do it though. for the sake of yeah. for the sake I'll, of. It. I'll even take the hood off. I'm feeling good. <laughs> All right, this is from the Soul Caliber series. Soul Caliber Sword of Destiny. Otake, that one's real. That is fake. Damn it! <laughs> I'm so confident. You were so. Maybe it's the. Maybe it's the. Is that the name of the weapon? Right. Uh, the name of the weapon Soul Calibur. No, but then there's the other one, right? Aren't there like two? Oh, it's Soul, Soul Edge. Soul Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soul Edge. Uh, well, the, the, I, I liked to kind of give ones that were a play on other titles. So yeah, what was the PSP there's, there's one? There's Broken Destiny. Nice. And then there's another one. I, th- I think it's called like Lost Swords or something. So I just kind of mixed nice. those two together. It sounded good. Gah. Kyle, that is a commanding win mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Uh, and going through it, I believe that we tallied everything correctly. So I think we can say with confidence that you are a winner. I, I, I want to exert a little bit of extra pressure on you as you take us out of the frame trap realm because yeah. we disgraced the name of this game. Uh, make it extra good. Sure. Make it extra good. So I always like big time in an anime when somebody does a lot of damage to another character and that character doesn't realize it. And then they just explode three <laughs> seconds later. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a lot of damage okay. to the wall, right? Okay. I'm going to ask you two to not react to it until three seconds after that. Okay. okay. Do we just have to instinctively jump on the three Take seconds? Take the damage. Take the damage after three seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ha ha! Ha Rap. All right, so uh, I'm going to talk about Dynasty Warriors 9 now. <laughs> Kyle busted some Dynasty Warriors right there. 
Um, Dynasty Warriors Nine is it, just kind of a bummer. All around, it's kind wow. of a bummer. Okay, uh, but I feel like I've had that same feeling about Dynasty Warriors for like seven years straight. Well, Huber, <laughs> I I feel like I kind of got really excited by what they were saying. It it just was like, hey, they're they're completely changing how you interact with this game. You're going to be in this huge open world. You're going to be able to do all of these new things. Here's the most dramatic shakeup to Dynasty Warriors that we've had uh, in a very long time, and. That open world, not only I feel like adds so little, it detracts from the things that I've personally enjoyed about Musou games. I'm certainly no Musou expert, uh, but I've gotten increasingly interested in this style game for a while because there have been several that I've played that I've really enjoyed. Um, But everything, you talked about jankiness. Dynasty Warriors 9 is supreme jank. On on so many levels, that I sounds will, like a great game name for the game. Supreme Jank, Supreme Dynasty Supreme Warriors Jank. Nine, Supreme Jank, Jank. Extreme Complete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so there have been so many things. Uh, like there was this emperor that I was trying to escort, and I, I guess my Ooh, horse was in front of it. Escort. <laughs> and I guess my horse was in front of it, and it just pushed the horse along the entire time. I've gone up to like armies of soldiers and they'd just be running into each other just like constantly just terrible animation uh i was supposed to go up to this guy and hit a button to accept a quest and he didn't you can i did a stream of it you can watch this on the stream he didn't appear for what felt like a minute it might have only been like 30 seconds but i go up and i'm like why is this scroll floating here this is weird like it's pointing me here why is it here and i would like kind of wander around and then all of a sudden like oh pop there he is <laughs> uh and there's there's a ton of there's a ton of pop in like that um but with the, the the idea of it you see what they're going for uh where you have all this stuff out in the world that you can do like hunting Okay, Huber, this is where yeah. I want to, to look at you. You yeah. can go and you can hunt things like bears, this is like such deer. A, it's such a great direction for Dynasty Warriors to go. This kind of sure. open world environment you can play in, whereas the other ones were very focused as in like, you know, rush through this environment to kill this guy or whatever, you know? Yeah, where you, yeah, exactly. You, It's like, here's your objective. Yeah. Here's the space that you have to do within this objective. Yeah. And they really incentivize you to do hunting for multiple reasons. Not only, like crafting is a, Big deal. Like, you craft weapons, you craft items, you craft a bunch of stuff. Are there loot boxes? There aren't loot boxes, no. There are okay. boxes in the world that you can find that will give you materials. Okay. But That's... no, like, currency you get and no, unlock no, no, no. a chest no. of random stuff? No, this is all in-game stuff. These are all systems that are feeding into each other within the game. So you, you go and you hunt, you get the animals, you can make items from the materials that they give you, but there's also this guy who, as you hunt, you'll get hunting points, and you can cash that in for stuff. And so it's like, hey, please go out in the world, please find these monsters and engage with them. The hunting is so miserable. You're you're supposed to use the bow because trying to fight them with your weapon, they'll like stun lock you and it's really aggravating. But there have been so many hunts. Like there was this bear I was hunting. It was the first time that I had seen a bear in Dynasty Warriors 9 yeah. where 
I just got a little ways away from him. I pulled out my bow. I kept shooting him in the butt, and he didn't even react. He just stood there the entire time. And I'm like, this isn't some fierce hunt against Strong a huge bear. beast. What? No, he, he just, died. He just pathetically died. Oh, he died. He died. oh I thought yeah. he was just like no, no, shaking no. off the Taking arrows. It was, it was like, he was like he, the, the, the AI wasn't even aware that it was being damaged. <laughs> he just kind of like kept sauntering along <laughs> while losing chunks of his health. That's horrible. It's always horrible. So it was wait, horrible. Are the hunts always realistic animals? Um, the things I've encountered so far are wolves, tigers, bears, deer. I think that's it. That's all I've encountered. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. It's weird to add hunts, but just like, yeah, they're normal. Just go kill a deer. Yep. That's so weird to me. Yep. Um, <laughs> and the other, like, so there are towers that you can go climb. Uh, and... <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry. I already read the correction. I realized that Dynasty Warriors is all historically accurate, which is why hunts were weird in the first place. I get it. I know. There should not be monsters in Dynasty Warriors. I know. I read your comment. Thank you. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's <laughs> it's not worth fighting yeah. over. Yeah. This game is not worth fighting over. Uh, there are these towers that you can go up, and if you go up to the top of the tower, you can do an Assassin's Creed-like thing where it'll pan around the environment, <laughs> and you'll reveal more locations of the map. So, so whether it's, so it's full-on open world. Oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. And, okay. you know, to... I guess to give some credit to Dynasty Warriors 9, it's huge. Like, it's a huge landmass. So you go to these towers, you reveal more information on the map, and it does the Assassin's Creed pan. But you know how when you do it in, you know, a modern Assassin's Creed game and you pan across the environment, you're like, oh, this, this is so gorgeous. Oh, yeah. what's that thing? I want to go there. This is the saddest, like, <laughs> environmental pan you've ever seen. And every time I'm just like, oh... It all looks terrible. Oh. Like, it's just this this flat mess of blah. Uh, so what's crazy to me is mm -hmm. Dynasty Warriors is a franchise that I've checked in on since it's the original on PS1. Uh -huh. I mean, we all played. You, you played Dynasty Warriors 1, right? No, Who, dude. Not even on PS1? Is it Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors 1 is like a fighting game. Or just Dynasty Warriors. Just the original on PS1. Okay. Dynasty War the original Dynasty Warriors is a fighting game. Okay. It is. And it was Dynasty Warriors 2 that changed things up. 2. Okay. I never played one then. I think two. that is okay. yeah, I yeah. think that's accurate. Please but correct if wrong. Since Dynasty Warriors 2 then like that that I'm I guess I'm trying to say that novelty used to be enough. Playing Dynasty Warriors 2 when it came out. Oh, mowing people down. Yeah. Mowing people down. Hordes of enemies. Look how many people are on the screen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That novelty was enough for me to check in on Dynasty Warriors sporadically throughout the years. I recently even che checked into 8. And I can remember playing 8 and thinking to myself, this is the exact same game as this. This is the same. Like, yeah, obviously some minor improvements. Obviously it looks better, but for all intents and purposes, it's still the same thing. Just running through Muso style, like hacking away at lifeless enemies. Right. So when they went open world, I was so intrigued. And I remember getting a little hyped with you. even yeah, before. We, yeah, I was, I was absolutely I the, hyped for it. Saw yep. the trailer, love the concept of do side quests to make the main quest easier. Yep. Like busting into a fort and like That's cool. setting all that up. But it just doesn't sound like the change worked out. And hopefully right. I can equate it to like WWE. Usually when WWE games kind of go down a, a road, they make a big change. Mm -hmm. It'll take a couple to kind of like get in the rhythm and get good. So maybe like Dynasty Warriors 10 or 11 open world will alleviate these problems. I don't know. I'm that's what I was just going to say. That's what I was just going to say. 
Because there are so many things that they're going for with this game, yeah. uh, where I'm like, oh, that is a cool idea. And when you're just when you're just reading about it, uh, or you're hearing somebody describe it to you, you're like, oh, that sounds great. So you have this grappling hook. You have you have this mobility, where it, like when I when I think of Musou games, it's like, okay, I've got to get to this point. I've got to mow through people, or run past them. Here, it's like, oh, do I need to get in this castle? I can just use the grappling hook, get in there, do the thing. And so you have a lot more freedom. I can go find these hidden boxes throughout the environment. But what ends up happening, because there's so much jank, is none of it feels right. So, like, they kind of play up, like, hey, you can sneak in to this fort. Uh, like, hey, if you need to assassinate somebody, like, you can you can sneak around. But the stealth is so haphazard and weird that when I try to sneak, like, people see me right away, even though they're not looking at me, and I feel like I'm outside the division cone. It just doesn't... It just doesn't do a good job of communicating it, but it also gives you absolutely no reason to do it. Yeah. Because... What you can do, you can just use your grappling hook, get to your target, and kill it in a lot of instances. And so, because you're so powerful as this character who can take on dozens of dudes at the same time, there's really no good reason to engage with this kind of bad system. Mm -hmm. And so... I think at a base level, you're kind of just looking for those big scale fights. Yeah. Like You're like, okay, well, at least I can fall back on that. But because it's open world... A lot of the fights that you're doing, like let's say you're trying to capture a camp, they're just really small. That you don't you don't have that sense of scale because it doesn't put these huge armies at every corner of the map. Usually it's just like, okay, you need to kill these couple guys and you move on. And so it ends up feeling like really small and meaningless. Yeah. And then during the story missions, the conditions that they're placing on me sometimes are just awful. So there's this guy, it was confusing. I didn't realize that I had to protect him. Uh, because I would go and I would like try to kill the people that I needed to kill, and he's like, "Oh, so this is what it feels like to to engage in a losing battle." And in other Dynasty Warriors games, like your comments were what let you know when they're not doing so well. And so I thought it was just that, like, oh, okay, he's he's not doing so well, but I can just like go and kill the people that I need to kill. And then I get to the guy that I need to kill, and he's like, "Oh no, it's the end for me." <laughs> and I this happened like a couple of times. And I was confused because it just wasn't really clearly explaining what I needed to do, or at least I wasn't getting it. What I needed to do is I needed to take him with me through this route to get to this guy that I needed to kill. And anytime I got a, just like a tiny bit a ways away from him and like one guy would come up to him and he wouldn't even really be damaged, he'd go, so this is what it's like to fight a losing battle. Like immediately, like just just a little bit of distance between me and this guy. Um, and so it, it felt, it felt a little ridiculous. Um, this yeah. is, oh man, it's a bummer. Cause I feel like in... <laughs> On one hand, right? Shouldn't... No. Not shouldn't. Okay. On one hand. Okay. Here we go. On one hand, this franchise, this Dynasty Warriors franchise, there's something that was special about just hopping into this world and just wreaking havoc. Just smashing mm -hmm. people with a... Like, I always think of giant spears in Dynasty Warriors. Just like just mowing down hundreds of people. And I just think it's so interesting to hold that up to video games now or, like, to kind of chart the path of games and, like, see where we've come. Mm -hmm. And, like, is that enough still? Just 
mindlessly hacking away enemies. Because, like, back then, not as many games. Yeah. You know? And and there was the, still that novelty of, wow, this is kind of new. Like, so many enemies on screen. Let me just hack away. And now I respect that they kind of went for the meta, right? Which is open world. Open worlds are bigger than they've ever been. And, and right. you know, sales-wise and games. Every game's open world now. And it's like, I, I in one, one hand, I respect the effort and I respect that they tried to, to go that way. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, like Dynasty Warriors two through eight or whatever, kind of rested well, on its own strengths and weaknesses to a fault in some sense. So it's like they went outside of their comfort zone to try to do something, and it looks like it didn't pay off, but which is I, a bummer. When I yeah. think about Omega Force, and I think the reason why I was so excited for Dynasty Warriors nine, you talk about going outside of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I think they've been doing that, and they've been doing that successfully. Like that Attack on Titan game is really fun, mm-hmm. and you know, definitely has some light elements of, of things that they've worked on in the past, but they managed to capture what it felt like moving in that maneuvering gear really, really well and taking down Titans. They made that super, super fun. Uh, Dragon Quest Heroes. Amazing. Like, they did the way that they integrated some RPG elements, the way that yeah. they presented that world, you know. Which is crazy, things- which is just cut you off really quick. Yeah. It's crazy to say how, that hear you say how ugly and janky Dynasty Warrior is. Their trademark franchise clearly this is their thing dynasty warriors saying how janky and weird it looks dragon quest heroes yeah it's crazy is gorgeous beautiful so what happened did like they just not give dynasty warriors the budget is the franchise not doing as well so maybe they put more resources into dragon quest because dragon quest is so big i mean you can you can speculate i don't know the answer uh but they're making a lot of games. And as we've seen sometimes mm-hmm. from studios that are pumping out a lot of games that it's just more than they can handle. And you get that sense throughout this entire game where their their head is in the right spot. Mm-hmm. It's just they can't they can't do it. They can't yeah. make it come together. Um, yeah, and the last thing that I want to say before I, I kind of tackle on this this other weird part, which may throw you for a loot puber, uh, I can't get over how atrocious the voice acting is. always the always terrible well it's, i feel like it's always been bad yeah but like ima- imagine what you're thinking of for like yeah. bad yeah bad this is worse than that there, there are oh. some lines oh. that like i can't i can't believe that they said yes this is okay and there are a ton of characters in this game i understand that there's also a lot of dialogue but it's all just it's just hilariously bad and I saw some people comment uh, while I was streaming and they were like oh it's campy you know it reminds me like this is kind of how Dynasty Warriors is there's a novelty there and the badness is a novelty at first and it's kind of funny and you can laugh along it's worn out it's welcome a couple hours in you're just like please stop Mm -hmm. like it's so bad that I can't pay attention to the story that you're trying to present and it's robbing whatever emotion you're going for in any of these things like there have been like character deaths or betrayals and I'm just like no like I felt I feel nothing so those are cutscenes in between I guess um, so the way that they'll do it is you'll have moments uh, during the like the main mission, like when Lu Bu came onto the scene. There was a, there was an actual cutscene, um, and then like with certain missions, you'll have characters talking to each other in game, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, after you complete a chapter of the story, it will kind of go back out to the map and a narrator will give you a broad overview of what's going on. 
all of it's bad. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they fixed this. I didn't see... I, I had the narrator speaking on the map last night, uh, but before last night... <laughs> There would be a, like a subtitle for a line, and then like it just wouldn't be there. The line would be missing. So he'd be talking, and then just like a line would be gone, and you'd see the subtitle for it, and then it'd go to the next line, and you'd read that line, and it'd be just like, how did this happen? How did this happen? But the weird thing, and I, I almost feel bad coming back around on this because I want to be clear on my feeling. I think Dynasty Warriors Nine is a bad game. I think it is just bad for a lot of reasons i'm still kind of having an okay time that's the thing dude. it's like that's this how it always is weird but the thing i think people in general and i, I you know i hesitate because i'm certainly not a muso expert but i think muso there are definitely muso games that i've played where i'm like no i think this is actually good because you'll you'll get people out there where they're like they're all bad they're all the same and i understand that criticism to some degree like, like Fire Emblem uh, Warriors is a game, I know not everybody likes it, but I'm like, no, there's some good, really good moments here. There's some really good decisions. There's some really good executions with some of these ideas where I, I feel like they just kind of get lumped together and like, they're all bad. They're all exactly like this. And I don't necessarily buy that. Um, this game is bad. <laughs> this game is bad. Um, but you're having some fun. But I'm having some fun. Because it's so fun to smash armies with your stick we're talking about (laughs) like things you can put anime on or tv shows or podcasts it's perfect because i only have to devote like two percent of my brain to this (laughs) and i can enjoy the other thing and not only do you kind of get the dynasty warrior satisfaction of like okay there are all these health bars i need to take down okay there are all these guys i need to kill that's kind of primitively satisfying Mm -hmm. but you also get the weird open world satisfaction of all right, I got to get these materials that I need to craft. Yeah. Oh, there's that thing on the map. I'm going to go chase that. Oh, there's another tower I can climb. Oh, there's another waypoint I can lock for mm-hmm. fast travel. It is just checking off boxes. And I, I think on some level, I'm really enjoying yeah. that. And that feels weird to say, but it's totally true. Like, 100%. I don't think that's worth the price of admission. Yeah. But I'm I've, in it. So. I've never finished a Dynasty Warriors game because the gameplay from the one second. The opening second to, I feel like, the final second is exactly the same. Hmm. Like, the game never changes. It's square, 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 triangle, triangle, square, 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 triangle. Just mash, 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 mash. See, in, in Fire Emblem Heroes, <laughs> or not Fire Emblem Heroes, I always do that. Fire Emblem Warriors and Dragon Quest Heroes for me. Like, when I got to the end, uh, there was definitely a ramp up in difficulty. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to pay a lot more attention. And I thought some of the ways that they were challenging me, both those games... I think Warriors did a little bit better than Heroes 1 did, but uh, I don't know. I think I think there's more there than people are, are giving you credit for, where cool. sometimes it, it starts and it's just completely mindless, but they do they do push you Good. Uh, at a certain point. And cool. maybe Dynasty Warriors 9 will as well. I did play it on hard. Uh, I've checked it out a little bit on hard, and that was kind of frustrating because the dudes just did way more damage, oh. and it wasn't, I don't know, it didn't necessarily make it that much more interesting but yeah you know maybe maybe my opinion will change on that do you like the grappling hook no i don't like the grappling hook oh because i feel like the grappling hook just trivializes enemies where it's like okay all these dudes that are right here i'm just gonna climb over you i was thinking about in terms of traversal though in in the open world is Mm -hmm. it fun to have a grappling hook um 
I guess in in some ways it's kind of nice to like these towers. Like you can climb the ladder and go to the top of the tower, or you can just grappling hook and jup jup jup. Yeah. So you know that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Kyle, um, have you played Dynasty Warriors? No. Ever? Never more than like at a friend's house mashing buttons like you did. Mashing buttons. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from with Dynasty yeah. Warriors. Is like it was. It was one of those games that was like around me and I would play at friends' houses and I had a very passing familiarity with. Mm-hmm. But recently, I would say like in the last few years, I'm like, oh no, wait, I think this is kind of cool. Like I played um, some Samurai Warriors 4-2 and I was like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. I, I want to, to play more of these. I'm really curious about the Empires games. Um, yeah. Did you play so I'm interested, eight, but... 8 Extreme, I think it was called? No, I didn't play... It was pretty solid. I for, think... for Dynasty Warriors, it was really solid. Okay. I just... Again, it. I got sidetracked with their stuff. You know, it's good for a couple hours. Sure. Uh, I think at game trailers, I don't know if I was an intern or if I just started working there, but I was tasked with getting gameplay of Dynasty Warriors Eight on yeah. PS3. I think, and so I think I did that, and I played a little bit of Dynasty Warriors Eight, but I haven't played um, Extreme. Extreme Legends complete. I bought it. I bought it because nice. people. I was playing Dynasty Warriors Nine, and they're and like, were saying, "Hey, play yeah. this one. It's way better yeah. if you're looking to get more into Dynasty." It was Warriors, really solid what from what I played. Yeah. But. Yeah, and I maybe it'll be great. I feel like I want to get through nine. Yeah, and and have a full opinion on nine. But uh, yeah, nice. I want to play eight. I want to play eight. Nice. Uh, so the same words, Danny. Is there anything you don't seem particularly interested in Dynasty Warriors? <laughs> in Muso, in general, I did sure. play the Zelda one. What did you think of Hyrule Legends? Hyrule, I, is that what it was? Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors. Warriors. Hyrule okay. Warriors. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, I had a. a like you said, a good mindless time. I was okay. not, did not have the music blasting. Definitely was watching something else using that 2% of my mind. Sure. Yeah. I, but mindless is okay sometimes. Well, yeah. of course it is. Yeah. But there's so many mindless games right. in 2018 that a lot of competition. All I'm saying. Yeah. A lot of mindlessness. A lot of mindlessness. Like Destiny there. 2 can be mindless. Yeah, for sure, dude. You know? Yeah. You need it. You need it in your life. I was I, when I streamed Fortnite with Jones. People were criticizing the Save the World co-op mode because mm-hmm. we weren't we like we played some battle royale on stream, obviously, but we were playing the Save the World mode, and it got into kind of Jones like not defensive, but Jones was just like, "Hey man, this is just my game to chill out to, right? Mindless. I can just queue it up, watch the numbers go up." You know? So you're hearing Jones react to the audience. Meanwhile, yeah. you're just on a headset. And yeah, you and I had chat like. up too, oh, so okay, I saw. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I but think... it's like there's always need for that game, yeah. right? And like Dynasty Warriors over the years has fit that void so well. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's just nice feeling powerful, and that is the most basic interpretation of that. But also, like, I think. The idea, like, beyond just the simple one versus 100 mentality, mm-hmm. the idea of capturing bases and trying to manage where you're going and thinking about that, like, that, there's just, a, there's enough of a light strategy that it makes you even more interested and satisfied with the yeah. let's kill a bunch of dudes concept. It's cool. In my opinion, anyway. Um, but speaking of, you, you brought it up, we might as well go into it, Huber. Fortnite. You wanted to talk about Fortnite? Fortnite. Yeah. Dude. It. What the hell just happened? All of a sudden, I'm hooked on Fortnite. <laughs> you get you. There are definitely hooks for you. Yeah. Like, it was Warframe for a second. Yeah. 
and then we, you know, we had the PUBG because you were reviewing it, mm-hmm. and now we're we're on the Fortnite. Hook. It's strange because I've had Fortnite for a while now. When we got codes, so I've had Save the World, which is the co-op mode, yep. way before Battle Royale, and I've dabbled in it, and I liked it. I was like, all right, it's fine, it's cool. Barely played it. Then I was talking to Jones about it because I really wanted to play with Jones because he's so passionate about it and into it. So we streamed it, and I dabbled a little more. And I made sure before the stream, before I played with Jones, so like, so basically I played Save the World for a, for a barely at all, took a couple months off, played some Battle Royale and Save the World with Jones, mm-hmm. just dabbled a little bit. Still felt the same way, like, oh, it's a cool game, but clearly don't have enough time for this now because there are so many games out. Right. Then I get a call from my friend who's like, yo, what's, what's this Fortnite business all about like everyone's talking about it he works at a school by the way okay he works at a high school he's like yeah all the kids are talking he's hearing about chatter it. huber that's like, so funny yeah. uh yes. my girlfriend works at a middle school and yep. she says fortnite is the hottest game okay wow at middle so school. i yeah. feel like it has peaked right now like monster hunter style dude like you're either playing monster hunter or fortnite you're playing one of them like <laughs> so frank calls me asks about it he doesn't play a ton of games but once in a while so i'm like I'm like, yeah, man. If you want to play tonight, like it's free to play. We'll just we'll just play, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, is free to play because you can just say to anyone who doesn't even play video games, yeah, just get it. We'll play tonight for free, and no stress. And a game can be anywhere from two minutes to fifteen minutes, twenty yeah. minutes. So just hop in. We'll play a couple. Next thing you know, dude. Later that night, one more. Are you playing Battle Royale? Battle Royale yeah. now. Yep. Yeah, one more. Yeah, we'll do one more. One like one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Three a.m. No way. Three a.m. and all of a sudden, I I look at myself and I'm like, dude, I got the Fortnite itch. And he's got to go to school tomorrow. Yeah. And I was just itching for more Fortnite. <laughs> Do you now think- that now that I have that, I always equate it to StarCraft Two. In StarCraft, mm-hmm. that light bulb moment, I like to call it the StarCraft moment. Sure. When you actually stop any when you're playing a game and you stop thinking about how to play it and you just play it yeah that happened to me last night and with I think- Fortnite. so i i because it's kind of overwhelming with all the building and everything sure so finally i could just play to play and not be like okay what do how do i get that like what is a good strategy here is this gun actually good how does this gun work and i just played and i had so much fun with Fortnite for me uh do you think part of that, obviously there's the whole building element, yeah. but uh, in my experience, I think what was so about so appealing about Fortnite is it was just a lot more readable for me immediately, mm-hmm. where I was kind of able to jump in and have that fun than I was with PUBG, yeah. uh, where I, I just felt like there was a little bit more to deal with with PUBG, a little bit hard, like just in terms of managing inventory mm-hmm. and all of the attachments for guns, which I like all of that stuff, yeah. but in terms of like you're kind of talking about that yeah. barrier, yeah. it just seems like it's way easier to hop into there's less to process yes and i'm not an expert on either of them even though i reviewed PUBG, i still don't call myself an expert sure. you know people play that all day every day a lot of hours thousands of hours logged for many people so feel free to say i'm wrong about any of these opinions because these are just opinions but the feeling is for me personally PUBG is a little slower takes a little longer to get into a groove mm-hmm. and 
It just feels like there's a little more downtime in PUBG. Now, granted, I haven't played PUBG in a couple weeks, and I know they've been tweaking the 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 shield of death whatever you want to call it the shield wall that comes in and closes off they've been t making tweaks to that in PUBG to kind of speed it up a little bit so they they reduced the countdown made the damage a little more to really try to funnel people faster so in PUBG you can kind of get off the plane and kind of find a safe spot relatively right mm -hmm. like that's possible it's like all right I'm gonna hide this game but that's cool right that's that cool. is very cool I yeah. love that yeah I love it. Fortnite, little smaller map. I, I feel it, like, yeah. Like, when you land, like, you are most likely going to get into an encounter. Coming off a lot of PUBG, yes. where I had a lot of games in PUBG where it's like, okay, there's no one around me. Land, I, can, I can take my time. Nothing. I can scavenge. I think, like, five games in a row in yeah. Fortnite, I was like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I'm in conflict immediately. Yeah. Which, like I said... PUBG hiding, very cool. My style, especially when I'm playing alone. Yeah. But Fortnite, it's kind of satisfying to land and survive that first encounter. Yeah. And it's like, dude, if you just survive that first encounter, you're gonna get far in the game. You're gonna have more items. You're gonna you're you're you clear everyone out of your area. You're gonna make it. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna get farther, which I really really appreciate. Is it just fist fights in the beginning? No, so you have your pickaxe, which okay. does, like, no damage, but right. it's just that mad dash to the nearest weapon. Yeah. So you see everyone kind of landing and going in buildings, and it's you got to find that gun quick, uh, which, I, which I really like. And also, I really like... Well, obviously, like, okay, now just forget about PUBG. We're not talking about it anymore, okay? So this, okay. Is, all, this is all relating we're to We're not peering down that road again. We're, yeah, we're, all just, we're just talking about Fortnite now. What, can we... Can we peek? Can we still peek on the dragon? Bring it up Naruto? if you need to. Bring it up if you need to. But, but yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Here's the thing, Huber, is I feel like Naruto ha does have a lot of emotions. It does have a lot of themes. Yeah. yeah. But because of the way it ends, it's like I I don't respect it anymore. Because of how much it lost in those last five years. The filler. The yeah. riding the filler train. Yeah. All the way to the bank. It's like that that goodwill is gone by the end yeah. of the point. Does like, can Fortnite you ride the filler train? Yeah, does that? No. Okay. P very fair game with uh, microtransactions. Uh, you can buy a battle pass, and that is 950 V-Bucks. And V-Bucks just sounds filthy. Yeah, V-Bucks sounds bad. 1,000 V-Bucks is 10 bucks. So it's 10 bucks, you got the battle pass. The thing is with the battle pass, though, every time you play... Every time you play, you get, you go, you go up one, you know? So it's like, all right, day one, log in, you get the outfit. If you log on a day two, you might earn 100 V-Bucks back. So it's like, it seems very generous in that sense. You can also earn V-Bucks in the single player mode, which uh, is an early access, but I think you can buy that now for like 30 or 60 or deluxe edition or something. But you earn a ton of in-game currency in just the co-op mode. So I think that's fair. Whereas... You know, some games you have to buy it. Does Battle Royale have no V bucks? You can earn them, but it's extremely rare. I think. Okay. Like when you level up your account, I think. Got it. Not one hundred percent on that, but what I like about Fortnite is how different each mode is. Right? There's singles, duos, and squads. Singles, you're alone. You land, and 
you can hide a little better, right? But there's all, everyone is a threat. It's almost like you're surrounded at all times when you're by yourself because there's a hundred people dotting the map. Yeah. Whereas teams, you and a buddy, now it's just 50 teams. So that changes the dynamic quite a bit because you have to share items with your partner. Mm-hmm. So there's that level of communication of like, yo, I got a shotgun over here. Do you want the shotgun? Like getting all that, you know, teaming up, which isn't mm-hmm. new. It's also in PUBG, but... I appreciate that. And then also last night I did fours, which is squads, teams of four, which here's the biggest difference between this and PUBG. So you can build in Fortnite and when you have four people on a team and they all can build, it is insane. It can get crazy. Like we entered this town and because there's there's only four, uh, 25 teams of four, encounters are more rare and more meaningful yeah so like when you're when you're with four like it can be a while before you encounter any team Mm -hmm. because you're grouped up you know not everyone is spread out it's like yo if we're four people in a in in a place like we're in this place rather than like spread out you know it's like because you want to stick together but when like we were on a roof like this is just one story we were on a roof of a building in the town and the the circle is shrinking and it's like gonna come and we're gonna be in the the dead zone in like 90 seconds nice and we see four other people in the 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 border of it so they're in the safe zone and they just start building and building and building and building and building they're all just building everyone's building like this guy's building this tower this guy's building this like blocked fort over here everyone's building the wall's coming what do we even do we don't have that good of weapons. We're not as good as everyone else. Because, by the way, everyone is a pro gamer in Fortnite. Just so you know. Have fun with that. And Every, all of them. All of them. Every, except you. Except me. So anytime you encounter anyone except me in Fortnite, MLG. Well, that makes me just want to play you. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's crazy. So finally, we were just like, all right, we got to go. The thing's coming. So we just like, get out. They see us. They start shooting like rockets. Okay, yeah. you can get rocket launchers, which sounds insane, but they're very they're pretty rare. Start shooting rockets down, things are exploding. We all start like building walls up because you can just like do that on the fly. So like one of us goes down. What's really cool, again, in squads, guy goes down, you can revive him. I'm down, my friend builds walls around my corpse. And starts reviving me in there, in like a little bunker. Cool. Thought that strategy was really cool. And yeah. just that, like, the biggest difference that sets us aside from Fort, that from PUBG is the building. Yeah. And while I had played mostly solo and got to those final encounters, those building encounters, I couldn't take full appreciation until now I did it with friends. And like, all of us building together. Because I- in solos, like, people build, but it really comes down to the last, like... 10 or 15 people and during that final encounter in a solos Fortnite game it's like battle of the bases everyone builds their own tower and it's like high high ground is the advantage that's yeah. how you win you're on top so everyone just builds into the clouds build 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 and i thought that was so cool and differentiated it from PUBG, and, and that's really fun PUBG has vehicles that's different too but f- with squads and the way all of that comes together with building is just insane and i really liked it 
Um, <clears throat> I'm watching some streams of Fortnite. I'm amazed at how efficiently and how well people can build. It's everyone's like, just, yeah. MLG. Just like blah, 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 yeah. I'm doing that and I'm doing a crazy headshot. Yeah. They're, they're really good. The professionals yeah. that you're talking about. Um, but I I love because I think inherently with this battle royale, when you you know when it's like this many people are are alive, just encountering yeah. anybody is is chaotic and stressful. Mm-hmm. But the level of desperation that building allows, the way that it like you can express that desperation yes. when you hear that gunshot and you're like whoa yeah whoa 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 it's yeah. just it's it's it makes a already chaotic moment that much more crazy yeah and just hearing like the image that you're creating that you're describing where yeah. you're like my friend was trying to revive me so he built this just wall around, around us. us that's that's so cool and yeah. and what a great idea to have this element to this mode and how much it adds because it, it's not just the building it's also the destroying of stuff yeah. too like breaking stuff down for materials removing that for cover i i just love co-op so much but even my favorite games to play co-op like battlefield it can still feel like you're playing by yourself in a weird way and unfair to me to take it on battlefield because you have squads and you can revive each other and use different classes with each other sure but it's so chaotic that it's like I'm still kind of thinking about my own kill-death ratio, you know? (laughs) There's something so great about dying and then watching your friend on the kill cam. And it gives it this camaraderie and this we're in it together kind of thing. And especially nowadays when we don't have as much time as we used to, Mm -hmm. we consume so many games, we're trying to just play, 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 on to the next. For me to, like, die in the opening minute of a round... And then to watch my friend for the next 10 or 15 minutes, for that to be fun, like... That's crazy. That is crazy, but... And it, and it's also really fun, too, because, like, if you're the last man standing on your team and all your friends are watching you, that's a whole nother la- layer of, like, all right, like, I'm alone, but, like, let's do this for the team. Like, let's win it. It gives it this level of, like, s- sportsmanship or gamesmanship. I don't know. It's... Uh, I like it. That camaraderie you're talking about, I... I agree how valuable it is and Mm -hmm. and how awesome it is when a game can draw that out you made me immediately think of monster hunter where uh there are so many ways where that camaraderie is applied as well uh whether it's just like the style of the gathering hub but going out on missions having you be like i'm on the head and feeling that dependency on you to take care of the head (laughs) and it's like okay well i'll go and i'll try my best to cut off the tail Mm -hmm. or like hey i'm gonna pop this item everybody get on it i just there's a really good sense of we are a unit yeah we are we're not just four individual players that happen to be fighting the same thing we're all have strengths and weaknesses let's apply that together Totally. Um, and I and I love that. And I think it's what's made hunting with you guys so much fun. Oh, yeah, the best. As well. I got a quick question about the physics. Yeah. So let's say that somebody built a really tall tower. Yeah. If I uh, knock out the base, does it all fall down? Yes. No. I don't think so, because you can build panels just, like, in the sky. Yeah. So no. Oh, okay. So... Th- the, not, nothing really relies on gravity is what you're yeah, saying. So you, yeah, so it's really just to get all as high as you can get up. Yeah. But then you can, like, if you have uh, grenades and rockets, like, you can destroy a structure pretty good. There's three levels of structures, mm-hmm. wood, brick, and metal. Yeah. Takes a long time to gather metal from, like, cars and stuff. But if you have a big tower of metal, like, that's going to hold up for quite a while. Got it. Okay. Um, And just the simple 
the simple pleasure, I don't even know how to put it into words, but just the co-op, the simple pleasure of like, I'm gonna run into, I'm gonna run over to this building, I'm gonna stop, turn around, just cover my friend as he comes. He's like coming across. All right, come on over in this building. Just those little moments. I don't even know how to, what I can call those moments, but like, you're not gonna get that moment in Call of Duty. It's gonna be spawn, run in, die, shoot, 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 spawn, die, you shoot. Like those quiet moments of just like, hey, like I'm upstairs, like come upstairs, like there's a gun up here. And just like those those the, those moments, I love that. Yeah, because uh, it's not an AI following a path. Yeah, you know, you don't know somebody's gonna cross there. Yeah, and that person is so much more dangerous. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's so when cool. like when we're on a roof together, yeah. kneeling down, and we see people like run across the street. Yeah, it's just like it's exciting, dude. Because you don't have to engage right away. It's that pace, right? Of like, do we initiate or do we stay hidden? And I love that. So really fun. I had no idea this was going to happen. I'm like craving Fortnite right now. I just want to play some Battle Royale. <laughs> the hooks are in. The hooks are in. Really good. You got to log in every day to get those rewards. I know. They, they got me at a good time too because season three starts on Thursday. How long is seasons? 70 days or like three months or okay. something. Right. The final reward for season two was on 70 days. You get some like Lord of the Rings, Black Knight, Red Eyes, full armor wait set. are you gonna make it oh no no i didn't buy the battle pass for season oh two. so you're gonna get it for season three i'm gonna get, get it for it season three i'm gonna got it, got it, got it. and really put the time in nice kyle yeah uh tell me about the hooks of pokemon crystal hmm <laughs> pokemon crystal uh is a game i've never played before i played gold and silver ben this is funny i remember being on the internet doing research about pokemon crystal yeah uh, pre-release, like really like at this time where I have to weigh which games I can buy. Mm -hmm. And I just remember going, ah, there's just not enough new to justify the purchase. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny because I've, I've, I played Pokemon Crystal and I played yeah. Gold and Silver. I was, when they were talking about this re-release on 3DS, I was like, what's different about Crystal? <laughs> not much. Really not much. Uh, the thing that fans like the most is they added the battle tower. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing people like forever. I just hate it. I went in. Maybe prematurely, I went in like level 30 with my level 30 Pokemon and got stomped by one guy. I couldn't oh, kill geez. one guy in the battle tower. And people are like, well, you got to know the meta. You got to be better than you got to raise them up. But the thing that I like about Pokemon games from this era is you don't have to worry about the meta. Your Pokemon may have natures hidden uh, in the way that they progress, mm -hmm. but you're not aware of them. Yeah. You don't catch a Pokemon and it doesn't say when you go to its stats page, like, oh, you caught a bad version of this Pokemon. You should let it go. There's no such thing as a bad version of that Pokemon, or at least you're not aware of it at this point. Sure. I love that about this game, and, and the first one as well. Uh, ben, there's a lot of colors. Uh, Pokemon Crystal required the Game Boy Color. Mm -hmm. And yep. so, yeah, it's a little more colorful. Um, this is the first one where you can play as a girl as well, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm trying it yeah, out. That's cool. It's cool to play as a girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, generally, like... It, I, like one time, I think it was like platinum. I tried to play it as a girl and it like felt weird because Pokemon's so much about like you got to be yourself as a kid. Right. But like now it's like yeah, it's cool. It's cool to play as a little girl traveling this world. Um, they added some story stuff that I barely tapped into. Ben, I'm seven badges in. By the way, this game like the it's a breeze. Oh. Uh, there's harder fights than I'm used to in a Pokemon game, but like it's just short. It's a really short game, and I know what comes after the eight badges. But like, 
I think maybe because there's two regions in this game, uh, both of them are kind of underdeveloped. Mm, yeah. um, and just in terms of like cool tentpole moments of a Pokemon adventure, I'm not sure it really brings them on this game. Um, but yeah, it's so cool to play through Crystal and, and see this old world and play an old Pokemon game. Yeah, it's it's tough because I haven't really revisited gold and silver and crystal outside of when I played them as a child and mm-hmm. I loved them as a kid. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of the reason why I loved them is was one, just having so many new Pokemon and having that be really novel, how many new Pokemon they were adding in this the sequel to this thing I love. But also the surprises. The thing that you're talking about after the ending, going to that second region, all of that stuff was really exciting and unexpected. But I guess knowing when it's coming and playing it so many years later, it, it does that does that suck? Yeah, uh, the things I don't remember are the things that I like the most. One thing I... Oh, this is so weird. Pretty early on in the game, you go to these ancient ruins that are next to buildings, so it's like every anybody's allowed to go in these ancient ruins, mm-hmm. and there's just a bunch of Pokemon called Unknown in there, and Unknown are Pokemon that are just shaped like letters. Like, they added that. They said, this is a good idea to right. add to our franchise. Unknown is a... Like, oh. Right. Oh, people are just like, you know, you can fantasize about like the old old designs and things like that, but like look at Unknown. That's one of the top 10 worst Pokémon designs by any degree. You know, sure. it's just oh, they're just they're shaped like letters. And like I, and everyone's like, we can't solve this mystery. It's just a bunch of unknown. Uh <laughs> in in Crystal, uh didn't they add like a little bit more animation to the Oh, yeah, I love that. Okay. Every Pokemon I remember, I think, who enters in. I feel in, like I remember like, that being really cool. Yeah, every Pokemon, like, wiggles in an interesting way. It's yeah. kind of, it's really cool, actually. It, uh, and again, I'm just, I'm pulling from memory here, but I, I feel like outside of Unknown, yeah. uh, what I still like from the, the Game Boy era of Pokemon, uh, and I think this is even more true in Red and Blue, where there was, there was an unsettled look to some of those Pokemon that you just don't get now. And it's kind of a hard thing, I think, to exactly describe, but there's there's so much consistency uh, with with the 3D models in Pokemon where they, they all look like they they very much belong. Yeah. But I remember like seeing like the the sprite of Lickitung and being like, that's just a little gross. Like do you kinda do you kinda get that where the yeah. Do you have kind of those creepy offshoots a little bit more? In Crystal, they're pretty refined, I gotta say, actually. Okay. They're, right. they've, they've pretty much nailed it. Uh, but you can definitely apply that to the world in a way that mm. I had forgotten about. Just the, the idea of being in this building, being in like uh, Rocket Team Rocket's lair, right? That feels so cool in a way that it's hard to replicate in, in games today because... There's no extrapolation, right? In Sun and Moon, everything you see is what it is in that right. world. Uh, everyone is defined in normal proportions. And so in Sun and Moon, you're actually wandering around pretty small islands. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of cool interior sections. And so uh, that Pokemon adventure is like condensed in a way that in Pokemon Red and Blue and in Pokemon Crystal uh, feels much more grand. And, and just because of its visual presentation. Of the old school RPG. Yeah. It's cool. That I like that cool. about it. Remember when uh, Monster Hunter was a handheld game and then it went to PS4? Yeah. Yeah. I hope Pokemon does that. It's doing it, it that's, dude. That's happening, yeah. It's doing it. Hope so. <laughs> this year, man. It's happening this year. You don't believe me, I, but it's happening this year. It's happening. 
We're going in, dude. Uh, when they re-released Gold and Silver on 3DS, did you play that? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. All right, so that would be a sticking point for me because have, having you gone through Gold and Silver, like, doesn't so recently doesn't that make kind of going through Crystal a little bit more of a bummer since it's so it's especially fresh to you at that point? Yeah, uh, but I mean, I yeah, Soul Silver I think was still man Ben like four or five years ago at this point. No, uh, no, no. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the DS remakes. I'm talking about the 3DS. Oh, re-releases. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's no okay. it's I ignored. Okay. I ignored them because okay. there we go. It leaked that there was a crystal on a space for crystal on the store. The leak saved. And you. so I was like, oh, crystal's coming. I'll just play crystal. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I did because I probably would have actually. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is actually really cool about this world and its design is that you don't have to take a specific path for your badges. You can get badge seven way earlier than badges five and six oh. if you go off on some weird paths. Okay. Mega Man. And I did that by accident. Mega Man style. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really cool. And yeah, I mean, I wish Pokemon did way more of that, but you know, there's just so much about their like cute little story now that they won't let you branch off in paths. You know, like, well, how will you know if How's your best friend at that point? You can't go. Ugh. There is some bad gatekeeping though. Um, which bothers me a lot. I, I think every gate should like mean something. Like Snorlax is really cool in red and blue. It's a giant Pokemon blocking a path. You Perfect. cannot move around it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this game, uh, at one point, there's just a guy who sells rage candy bars. Well, not clear to me what that's about. Uh, and so like I'll buy one from him, right? And then the next time I'm walking down his path and I'm trying to walk by him, he shoves into me and he says, I'm not selling Rage candy bars anymore. I'm like, okay. And I try to walk by him, he just shoves me some more. I'm not Seriously. selling them. It's like, let me buy. It's like, well, the story's not ready to get Like, that's fine. All right, I get it. Uh, does, does Snorlax go inside of a Pokeball? Yeah, dude. Okay. He fits. Okay. Whale, Whale Lord fits. So are they all fit? They all fit. Okay. Yeah. Is Whale Lord the largest Pokemon? Whale Lord is the largest Pokemon. Okay. Oh. I Are feel there any other Snorlaxes? Is any evolutions? There's Munchlax, the the baby version of them. Munchlax. Babies too. I hate babies so much. I hate baby Pokemon. Excuse me. I love babies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that out of context. Yep. I was like, well, someone's gonna cut that out. Yep. I hate babies. Yeah. No. Kyle Bossman hates babies. babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hate baby Pokemon. Just such a dumb addition. And and Ben, like you said, like they added so much. Yeah. They didn't add that many Pokemon. You should at least double it, and they didn't. I think they add all like a hundred uh, in in gold and silver. And for I, and for five of them to be babies, that's just a waste. I feel you. Uh, and again, I have to doubt my own nostalgia here, but I feel like the level of quality of design was pretty high. And that is has not always been the case in, in later generations that I've visited, where I'm like, I don't like a lot of these designs. I feel like you're forgetting how many unknown there are, dude. There's the unknown are bad. The unknown are bad, but yeah. with, at least with the unknown. I agree with you. I think the unknown are really stupid. Yeah. I can just kind of clump them all together and throw them in the trash. Yeah, I So mean, it's kind of just like one for me. It's, it's weird. Uh, like, they have the new types. This is where they added steel and they yeah. added dark like, type. Steelix is awesome. Steelix is really Steelix cool. Steelix is awesome. Uh, Caesar is yes. really cool. Yes. Uh, but, like, Murkrow sucks. Murkrow oh. doesn't evolve at this point. It's just like a little crow that will never be good, you know? I... L- I like Murkrow. Um, I really... Is Garboder in Crystal? Nah, dude. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer. 
Garboder's from Black and White, one of my favorites. You always tell me about Black and White. Yeah. If I were to ever, ever go back to play a Pokemon, it would be Black and White. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's things that really work in this game. There's things that just really don't work still, but uh, it's really nice while I'm video game fasting to have this one thing that I can just pop open my 3DS and like put in a couple of hours mm-hmm. at the end of the night. I, I feel like since you're, you're, you're video game fasting while you're working on VoxPeat, it fills such a wonderful void because it is both familiar, but th- there's so much that you don't remember yeah. that you're still getting a lot of new. Yeah. So it's both comforting and surprising. And I still nice. like, I love just like raising Pokemon. Yeah. There's still that innate joy. I have a Wobbuffet for the first time in my life. I love this Wobbuffet. Wobbuffet. Is it still exciting when you get a badge? Uh, no. No, okay. actually, yes. These are some of the harder badge fights in the entire franchise. Okay. It is actually still exciting. Cool. Um, some of the, the trainers are kind of unexciting people, and they're just like, here's your badge. But uh, I like um, I, I like it. I, 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 I like the, having difficult battles. Cool. Yeah. Will you battle me when it's on Switch? Yeah. Pokemon Switch. Yeah, dude, Hubert, that's a weird thing about Pokemon and Pokemon fans is that a lot of them love the meta. A lot of them love battling each other, love yeah. battling online. I, like, hate that. Yeah. I'm all about my own personal Pokemon adventure, the, the story of this RPG and yeah. my personal Pokemon. Uh, but what about when you finish the game and yeah. you've been through it all, man? You've been through the journey. You you named these Pokemon. You captured them. You fought with them. Some of them got knocked out. Don't you want to take those online and, no. and battle them no, against no, other people? So weird. <laughs> I think it's like, it's that's like so yo, this weird. is my yeah. team. Hubert, we've talked about the satisfaction of putting it on the shelf. Journey complete. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you feel good about tying a bow on it. Yeah, you raise them. Yeah. They did their job. Yeah, I would. I would never. I, I would maybe like play a couple matches, but playing amongst friends. Yeah, <sighs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I want to fight against you guys just for fun. This game is. It also talking about like bad gating. Sorry, Ben. I know we're just about to move on. It's, it's another right. thing I'm it's mad right. they added. And this, this is when is I, interesting conversation. When I talk about why I like Red and Blue so much, it just seems like a lot of things that were added were just totally unnecessary. It adds two HMs. Uh, whirlpool and waterfall, which allows they allow you to cross over whirlpools and they allowed you to rise up waterfall. You already have swim. You already have. You can ride a Pokemon who already knows how to go through water, but you need another move for it to go through a whirlpool it, or up a waterfall. The sequel thing. Yes, Ben. Yes, and so you got to have an extra Pokemon who just knows those three HMs. It's it's really amazing to me. I you need to know this because I don't know if you're aware of it. When we talk about video games and we talk, you, you, you know, you, you bring up things that, that irritate you, it reaches another level with Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. does. Yes, like it does. Like the, the frustration the that you're gritty. expressing <laughs> yeah. with the, the new HMs that don't need to be there is beautiful yeah. because you care so much. Yeah. 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 Still fun though. Still having a good time. That's good. That's <laughs> good. Uh, really quickly, I'm going to talk about uh, the new Civ Six expansion, uh, Rise and Fall. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Rise and fall. <laughs> was that a Sibs was that a like I don't really have a reference point? Uh, yeah, for exactly. Okay. I'm very unprepared for this conversation. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um that's fair. Uh part of the reason I want to keep it brief is because of that, but also because I feel like with Civ, a lot of times my initial opinion ends up being quite different than like my final opinion. Sure. And I'm still like in the year and a goings of really seeing how good what are, these new additions are. What are these games called? We messed this up on uh, podcast. Turn-based strategy games? Turn-based strategy, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Turn-based on the Easy Eyes podcast? Yeah. Is there another name for him? No, no, no. So the person, it was, it was not on you, Huber. 
the person, like, I, I hate this. Somebody asked, like, hey, I really like Civ. I really like this other game. I really like RT. What kind, what's your perfect kind of RTS games, right? Mm. And then people in the comments are just like, those aren't RTS games. Yeah. Like, just leave that person who wrote the letter alone. Right. Oh, but right. There's, like, a special. Like they, they, just, they just want some more great games. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, there's yeah, a special name for it, though. Are you talking about, about 4X games? There it yes. is. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 4X. Okay. So with Civ Six, uh, Rise and Fall, they, the, the, the two big things that I want to focus on, there are a bunch of little things that I can focus on, but the two big things are eras. I'm going to try to try to pull you guys in here. Okay. Um, so with eras, to, to break it down, uh, as you're going through, the game will now give you an era score when you do big things. When you drive barbarians away from your city. A new era. It, it, this, this, like... Parchment will come up and it will sketch a drawing and be like, today is the day in this era that you drove the barbarians away from your city. Um, when you build a wonder, it'll do that. And uh, a bunch of things, a bunch of significant achievements, it will come up and it will it will uh, give you this thing and it will give you a score. So it'll give you like, okay, for driving away the barbarians, I don't remember exactly what it gave me, but it'll give you like plus four era score. And that score... As you, you have a certain amount of time until you move into the next era, and depending on your score, you will go into a certain era. So you will bring about, if your score is pretty low, you'll bring about a, a dark age. Dude, if you uh, awesome. do really, if you do okay, you'll bring about a normal age, mm -hmm. and if you do exceptionally well, you'll bring about a golden age. And uh, I just want to kind of talk about it being like, hey, you drove away the barbarian threat, or hey, you built a wonder, or hey, you have the, the most thriving city out of anybody. I really like that. Um, any, I, I think Civ, the, the primal appeal of it is, hey, you are building this society, you're doing great things. Anything that can bring more attention to that, I think is really cool. And, and have moments that weren't celebrated as much be even more celebrated and make you feel like some sort of pride or that you really are progressing. Yeah, you, you I really... Have, yeah. That's what I was going to say is that right. that feels like it would make each stage of the game more meaningful mm -hmm, because yeah. it's usually all about like, all right, get my wonder up, let's go, like space age, we're going. Right. And it, it's all about just the end versus like, getting there so it feels like yeah. you can appreciate each step of the game and you can see like it's this it's this huge scroll that you're doing and you're, you're filling it out as it goes along so it's, it's like it's it's a very obvious like this is my story with my chosen civilization this is what we're doing this is what we're accomplishing um and the the idea of the eras is really cool uh because, like, if you get a Dark Age, but then you get a Golden Age in the next age, you'll get a Heroic Age. Whoa. And it's like, you you persevered through oh, the Dark cool. Times. Like through that. the ashes. Right. Yeah. And so now, and when you get a Heroic Age, so whatever age you're in, uh, you get to pick a, a dedication, and it's a bonus. If you persevere and you're in a Heroic Age, you get to pick three of them. I and, love that. Because yeah. otherwise, like, Dark Age would be like, fine, I'll just reload my save. Mm -hmm. Until final, I'll just do a new run. Well, what's interesting is the Dark Ages have, like, their own unique dedications, and they, yeah. they can help you out in your, their own way. That's great. That's yeah. so cool. Um, if you can, if you go from the Golden Age to the Dark Age, is it, like, extra penalty? Yeah. No, <laughs> it's just the Heroic Age from going from the, the, the Dark Age to the Golden Age. Cool, cool. Um, and when I got a Heroic Age, like, everything was brighter around me, and so that was nice. Um, and the dedications are feel pretty powerful. I think uh, just seeing some other opinions online, and I kind of agree with it, 
um, is that in an, like this thing that you have to worry about now, this whole other area, and I guess the, another thing that I should mention is if you're in a dark age, your people will be less loyal to you. There's a whole new loyalty system. Each city has its own loyalty. And you can eventually, if you're messing up so bad, your citizens will turn against you. And so getting in a dark age affects that pretty dramatically, and so you obviously don't want to be in a dark age. Um, but going back to the criticism... It's kind of obvious and you can just kind of feel it out like, okay, what is going to get me era points? I want to get into a golden age. What am I going to do? But it's not exact. You don't know exactly what you're going to do to get the era points to get into the golden age. And you're not sure how much it's going to reward you. So it feels a little bit vague, but it's also like there's so many things that you have to respond to in Civ. Like, okay, this person is coming in. They're trying to spread their religion. Oh man, like this city is really suffering. Oh man, I need to expand. Uh, which like, oh, the barbarians are attacking me. I need to build up my army. And now it's like this whole other system where it's like, okay, I also need to not be in a dark age. And you already have things in Civ Six where it's like, hey, you can boost this research along if you do this one specific task, or this city-state has a quest for you, where outside of you trying to play your own way and build your civilization in a way that you want to, you also have all of these tasks that the game is giving you. And I think on one hand, that's that's really interesting, and it's good to like work around these constraints, but... I kind of agree with what people are saying where now there's there's maybe too many distractions, mm. too many things to chase after, too many outside things to worry about in addition to whatever strategy you're trying to formulate and do, especially kind of since it is a little bit vague and unclear about exactly how much each thing is going to, to give you in any given time. Yeah. So I'm a little bit... I don't know. I need to play more of it. I need to solidify that opinion but i kind of see where people are coming from when they're criticizing that specific thing uh the second thing i want to talk about really quick is governors um Governor. yeah so you'll earn these these governor points um and what you can do with the governor is you can place them in a city and they'll can you name the governor no you can't name the governor i don't think uh but you place them in the city it takes them five turns to set up uh, and then they'll do a specific thing. So, hey, this guy's going to boost science. Or it was really great. There was a city-state that I wanted because I was really focusing on science. Uh, I had an, this one, this diplomat uh, go over and, like, post up in the city-state. And she's like, no, I'll give you a bunch of envoys so you can basically take control of it. And so they're very powerful. And they can really, whatever strategy you're going for, they can help shape it. And I think just on their own... They're really interesting because of how clear they are. Because with each governor, they have their own, like, level-up tree. Mm. So it's like, do I want to double down on this governor and give them more things, give them more abilities to make the thing that they're chasing after even more powerful? Or do I want a new governor and kind of spread myself out and and uh, put them in a different city? Like, which one do I want to do? And I think that's a very interesting choice. Um, the other thing is, is, like, as you're going along the culture tree... You can either, like, pick uh, an option that will give you, like, a governor point, or you can pick an envoy and use that on a city-state. And so it's just making this diplomacy and this culture, like, a little bit more spread out and varied and, and, and interesting, I think, than it was before. Um, and it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel, I think, as much of a burden 
as the era stuff can feel like sometimes. And so I think that's cool. So Ben, the weird takeaway I have from this expansion is that mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like a content expansion as much as it sounds like a design expansion. What do you mean by that exactly? It sounds like they added new rules to the same game. Yeah, I, I they they made the the rules more complicated. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Are there new things? There are there are new civilizations, okay, but like cool. that's that's so expected mm-hmm. that I don't think it's got it. Um, something to point out on the podcast. Right. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, there's also like the state of emergency where you can all band together when something really bad happens. So like, let's say somebody is developing nuclear weapons, you can uh, like kind of band together and deal with it. But I haven't done that experience yet. And so, sure. Um, to me. The loyalty, which is kind of part of the era stuff and the governors, are uh, the two biggest things. Um, I have a Civ question. Yeah. So if you're like Vikings or something. Right. Can you make it to like the Space Age? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can. And what do Live space, the what do Space Age Vikings entail? What do, what's... They look the same. So the way that it kind of works with civilizations is like, yeah, you all progress to like the modern era and, and beyond. Yeah. Um, but with each civilization, they have unique units and that is like kind of accurate to a specific point in time. Mm-hmm. So like with America, you have like unique later era units, more modern units. Whereas like the Aztecs, you have unique units right away when you're still like in the, the primitive age. Yeah. Um, and so, that's kind of how they differentiate the civs to kind of give them their own flavor. Like, where were they most prominent in history? Okay. But, yeah, you're still progressing throughout the era. Sure. the classical era, the Renaissance era. Got it, got it, yeah. got it, got it, got it. And, like, give us some Viking spaceships, and yeah. we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. yeah. And there, there are governments, <laughs> so you can make them, like, a, a democracy yeah. or, or something like that. Cool. But, I played um, six, but not a lot. I bought it when it came out because it was so hype, but... I just fell off, so... The hooks didn't catch you. Yeah. It's, there's a I lot. I really like Six a lot. I think if I went back again, I would it would, like, I would like, have that StarCraft moment. Yeah. Like, all it would take is that StarCraft moment, and I would be lost in civilization. Mm-hmm. Lost in civilization. Yeah, it's... It's interesting because, like, I do feel like my opinions on the eras and... Um, the governors like may change because I remember early on in Civ Six, thinking like Eurekas were really cool, and so there are all of these technologies that you can research. But it's like, hey, if you do this specific thing, uh, we'll make that go along faster. And so it was this idea of, oh, hey, I want to, um, I want to get this, so I'm willing to kind of deviate or focus on this or commit resources to this in order to make it happen. But there are some Eurekas, especially as you get later on, where it's like, I'm never going to do that. Like it would be so far out of my plan that I'm not going to do this. And so it just kind of feels weird because what you're asking just doesn't make any sense. And so it, it, it felt like outside of the early game, it wasn't as interesting to me. And again, kind of what I'm talking about with the eras where it's like, you're asking too much. And I feel like my own strategy, like I'm having to shape around you more than you're having to shape around me. Mm-hmm. And that that's where maybe it gets a little bit questionable. So, I don't know. But it seems good. I, I Overall, I, I would say I have positive impressions about it. Just those minor concerns. Um, however, Huber, a game that you seem really pumped up about, 
that mixed for now. Mixed. Oh, oh, okay. okay. That I misread the situation. Yeah. Look at uh, this body language right now. Optimistic. Crossing souls. Crossing souls. Yeah. Uh, you know I'm a sucker for that coming of age high school drama. You play as high school kids in this game, of course. Uh, the visuals really got me. Uh, it's kind of like a eight bit retro we I'd say 8 bit isn't fair. It's more okay. like 16, 16 to 32. 32. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a good looking game. It's like top but down. But it's pixel art. Yeah, and it uh it starts like a Pokemon game, you know, you wake up in your room and you can like talk to your mom and search your room and look at things. Uh but it basically I played the tutorial which is basically like the first 90 minutes of the game. And I don't I don't remember the characters names yet. I'm sorry. I'm not like fully attached yet, but mm-hmm. He starts as the one kid, and he's, like, the jock, and he's got, like, the baseball bat, and he's really agile, and then he meets up with his friend. Uh, his friend is, like, a, a nerd or whatever, and he's, like, tinkering in the in the lab, and his other friend, like, Big Joe, is, like, the, the muscle of the group, and his mom, like, owns a grocery store, and then there's, like, the, the girl at the trailer park, and she's, like, a tomboy, and then the the sports guy's like younger brother is like young but like attitude like causes chaos. So you control all five of the characters mm-hmm. at once, but you can only control one at a time for now. I think I might be able to control two later, but we'll get to that. Well, uh, so you can switch at any time between the five characters. They all have their own health and their own ability. So you run through the environment again, just as whoever you pick. Yeah. But, like, Big Joe, the market kid, can, like, move boxes. The girl can tie her jump rope to things and, like, launch. Uh, the nerd guy has, like, hover boots and can shoot a shoot a blaster. The baseball kid has a baseball bat and can, like, climb things. So it's, like, using everyone's abilities to try to solve puzzles. Yeah. Puzzles seem pretty chill so far, so I'm not uh, I'm not getting anxiety yet. Chill puzzles, but it's cool because the the town, it, like this game, has such a vibe to it. the The town feels 80s vibe. You would definitely call it an eighties vibe, yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. glad you said that. It takes place in 1986, California. Uh, there's there's a there's a cartoon as cutscenes sometimes, like an eighties cartoon. I thought those were super good. Yeah, they're really well done. Um, and there's like little cool environments you can go into, like you go into the arcade. And there was a big storm the night before. That's how the game starts out. There was this big electrical storm. And you go into the arcade and nothing's working. But you can, like, help out and, like, boot the power up. And that's kind of a puzzle of, like, shooting these, like, switches. Then there's, like, the comic shop on the other side of town. And, or, like, the, the restaurant. And, uh, you know, you go down to the basement and, like, kill some of the rats for the restaurant worker. Talk about that arcade, though. You know yeah. I love whenever a game will make every arcade cabinet a different game. Yes. That's important. That's a key feature. Yeah, and you can you can inspect some of them. And they'll give a little context into some. Like, some one of them, one of the machines is, like, insanely hard. He was like, oh, man, I don't yeah. even want to know how much so-and-so is made off this <laughs> machine. I- I think some of them were like nods to indie games too, right? Aren't there some? Yeah, nods it's from in the Devolver, game? so there's mm, that whole gotcha. Devolver vibe. Like, I feel like Devolver is the Devolver cinematic universe. <laughs> I feel like all their games are connected, even if they're not. I'm okay. just gonna say they are. All right, the Devolver universe, headcanon, headcanon, exactly. Uh, but at the same Devolvers? time, Devolvers, Devolvers, yes. At the at the same time, again, it's so early. I'm just a little worried about the characters so far they feel very tropey yes it's mm. extremely 
like my only fear is that they don't grow and evolve enough and that's all i'm really looking for out of this game like the gameplay is cool puzzles and stuff but it's like i'm here for the characters coming of age is coming of age exactly it's like summer vacation in the game too i went over to the school and the principal's like what are you doing here it's summer like go away but i assume you're gonna go back later Mm -hmm. there's like a cemetery i looked on the big world map there's a cemetery i haven't been to that excites me uh but spoilers for the first 90 minutes of the game is that okay sure okay responsible spoilers spoil responsibly here huber so the the whole tutorial beginning is about getting all the characters together. So it's the dude gathering everyone, meeting his younger brother at the treehouse because the kid has like something urgent to tell yeah, you everyone. You gotta see this. So you gotta see it. You yeah. gotta see it. You get to the treehouse. Everyone's there. Kid's like, all right, let's go. Let's go see. Dead body. Escalation of events. A corpse has washed up like, in the woods. And it's, like, pretty intense. You're just this dead body all of a sudden, you know? And the dead body has a crystal. And the crystal can... has powers that let let you see into the past. So it's, like, this mechanic of activating the crystal and then, like, the past will pop up. So right when it happens, he does it. And, like, you can see cavemen, like, in the lab. Uh, and that's literally right, right where I stopped because like when you get the crystal, it like does the whole intro crossing souls, you know? Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna stop here. Uh, and then it also hinted at that there is an evil military dude hunting for the crystal. He's like this big M bison, basically. Does he have an eye patch? Yeah. Yes. Like M bison with an eye patch. Yeah. Uh, very intense. He's like choking some guy out. He's like, find me the crystal. Uh, there's no voice acting at all. Uh, text. That's but, your voice acting. You're yeah. adding it to the experience. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Uh, and he like sends his cronies to look for the crystal, and there's like the one that like sm- clearly like smarter guy goes after us, and the military dude with like the, the the muscle shirt and the cigar is like, boss, why didn't you send me? Like I want to go hunt for it, and he's like, because your methods are unorthodox. Like, let so and so try to handle it for now. So these tropes were cool with. I'm always down <laughs> for like the military, yeah. but yeah, yeah. but selective trope preference. But I'm glad you said that too, because even I was saying like, oh, okay, of course, there's like this, you know, here here we are with uh, not space balls, but uh, what's the movie with the kid, the kid and the the the, the kid. Oh my god, I'm drawing such a blank right now. It reminded me of an old Aziz movie. Whatever. No, let's do this. So, what is? Why did Spaceballs come in? Not first? Spaceballs. It's um, is it something that sounds like Spaceballs. Like the one with like the kid in the glove, right? Not the, the wizard. The wizard. Isn't there some like evil organization in the wizard? Is that what I'm thinking of? Definitely not. Okay, it's something else then. Okay. War games. Got it. War games. Okay. Matthew Broderick. Not Spaceballs. War games. <laughs> War games. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but. At this, the game is clearly playing off 80s. Sure, There's yeah, a house yeah. you go into, yeah. and this little girl is in front of a static TV. And oh, you, the poltergeist thing. Yeah, yeah. Poltergeist, you go up to her, and she goes, it's here. Or he's like, they're here. And then your character's like, what? He's like, the electricians, they're outside. It's like, ha, ha, ha. You know, these 80s references. Yeah. Uh, so that stuff's all fine, but it's the core cast of characters that I want to see break out of these tropes and evolve and gotcha. grow as I spend my time with this game you know that's all i'm hoping for cool 
how long I will stick with it uh, is up to the game because I'm not quite hooked yet. Whereas something like Life is Strange, I'm hooked on Max within the first 10, yeah. 15 minutes, you know? Sure. And, I, I mean, and, and, and I've played for 90 minutes now and I'm still kind of like, oh, these characters seem a little tropey and not, you know, not there's not enough yet, but again, the title title card just hit so yeah i think that is very fair because like it's an age-old trick but in life is strange very quickly they show you the crazy and they're like hey we're gonna get here yeah we're gonna we're gonna hook you in and make this appealing you're gonna this is the mystery that you're gonna be solving Mm -hmm. i like that i like it doesn't sound like there's quite that same hook in crossing souls yeah uh so yeah it might not have obviously the same level of emotion as a life is strange but i'm hoping for some kind of just, emotional investment. Yeah. We just remind me every week to finish Life is Strange. Just finish every, every week. Just say finish it, just say it, Life just is Strange. Finish Life is Strange. Because then you can play Before the Storm. Yep. Huber, it's another one that I've downloaded. Like, it's another one that I look by whenever I'm, like, dipping, di- yes. dipping into the old barrel. Give it a shot. I, the yeah. thing, like, it's even worse than the position that you're in because I was really enjoying it and yeah. just haven't finished it. Yeah. Ah. Because, uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I bring up Life is Strange and even Night in the Woods, Kyle, like... Uh, night in the woods her coming home i'm emotionally invested within minutes i don't know within minutes because you have the whole section where you're like walking and you meet your aunt and everything i'd say like the first time you're home yeah you, oh yeah you see the uh the travel bus guy right there's yeah. that weird scene in the beginning yeah okay within 10 minutes yeah so when you get home good introduction to the characters though. Yeah, yeah i get what you're it's, saying yeah it's like i'm attached right and yeah. it's like i don't really know if i'm fully attached yet but we'll yeah. see Best way to introduce a character, make a character interesting, is to show why this character is different from the other tropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the the I call him the main character because you start as him and he's clearly the leader. They all like look to him to make yeah. a decision. But uh, his dad used to be a baseball player, and then I think got injured or something. So it's like kind of a sad story. But then you have a baseball bat as your weapon. So I'm hoping they really dive into that. Like that's such a yeah, that's such an interesting thing to explore. Like, you know, you like baseball, your dad and it's a baseball player, but like failed. And I uh, I do like it when they're they're like, hey, this this is different from the trope. But the other thing that I really like is that I'm checking. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) You actually hit me with that one. Did I physically hit Yeah, you physically hit me with that one. I did? My bones are shattered. (laughs) Um, Chopped. Chopped. I've uh, I've played a little bit of the Secret of Mana remake. Whoa. And that is, that's going to kind of, this is both going to be impressions and uh, the tip-off for the secret, for the Hotake, yeah. Finish Life is Strange. Thanks, man. Thank you, Huber. Yeah, get ready now, because uh, you just opened up the floodgates, dude. Huber syndrome. Look out. Oh, no. You want me to remind you about we're, we're, finishing Life is Strange? Open up the floodgates. No, that's what I mean. Like, Every yeah. episode ends with you. I'm going <laughs> to fine. continue will, yep. to remind the you. Public shaming, the public actually. shaming will work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. um, so for this Otake, the Secret of Mana remake, so uh, since... Kind of like around when the SNES Classic came out. I had never played through Secret of Mana, and so I've been chipping away at the SNES Secret of Mana, and it is a game that has really wormed its way into my heart for a bunch of reasons. Uh, I really like the way it plays, but it is just an incredibly 
gorgeous game. It is like the, when you're like in the desert and the clouds are going overhead and you see the shadow on the ground when you're in this like frozen wonderland and like the trees are glowing different colors. It is just so, so, so beautiful. Um, and I'm playing this remake and I'm like, oh, this is cute, but it's kind of a very loud, homogenous cute. And it's just like, it's just like kind of this one filter being applied to everything. Now I've played like two hours of the remake so far. So, you know, keep that in mind with this, but, uh, even just like little things, cause in the original secret of mana, when you would hit an enemy, um, it would go like the, the thing got thwacked and it was like, Oh, that, that's how you're representing critical hits. It's a little cute. Yeah. Now it's just like the thing got critically hit. And it's like, uh, Oh, like, yeah, I know it's not that big of a deal, but Personality. this, yeah, this was one component of, of, of something that really gave me uh, a lot of joy in the, in the game. It's, it was part of the charm. And so I got to thinking about remakes and then I thought about, uh, the remake, not a remake, but like this redone Rocket Knight Adventures that they did on Xbox Live Arcade. And I feel like no one remembers this, No, but they did a, they did Rocket Knight Adventures on Xbox Live Arcade. I'm not sure if they did it on PSN as well. I believe I played it on Xbox Live Arcade. And, like, it, it came out, and people were kind of like, uh, on it, and then you didn't hear anything Dead about Rocket Knight Adventures. Dead original art style was so good. Right. And so <laughs> I think about the Mana series, and when I think about its success in the West, people really only talk a lot about Secret of Mana. And that's the one that's held in such high regard. And so you have this series that I think uh, deserve, like, could stand to get more recognition. And you have this remake that not only am I feeling a little lukewarm on, I see other people being like, oh, it's, it's kind of missing something. It's kind of missing that, that X factor for me. Um, and I thought about a lot of times when these remakes come out, if they don't, if they don't crush it for series that aren't guaranteed everybody's going to be paying attention to this when it comes out, they kind of get even deeper buried than they were before. Mm -hmm. And it's like another nail in the coffin for something that was really beautiful and amazing once, but now you've just bungled and messed up. Uh, a good example is like Golden Axe Beast Rider. Okay? Like, here, I realize that that is not a remake, but it's trying to bring this game back and give it relevance, the series, and give it relevance again, but it just totally... Uh, abuses it. And so my question for you that I'm thinking to myself, when we try to bring these things back, when we try to revive them, when we re-release them in a big way, is it better to re-release them and have them be flawed like this, or in some cases even outright bad? Or would it be better for those games if those releases didn't come back at all? And how much do these uh, unsuccessful attempts at revival bother you? And I'm not necessarily saying Secret of Mana is this horrible mess of a game. I don't believe that. I'm just using it to start this it's conversation. It's a double-edged blade, a double-edged sword. Okay. So the Secret of Mana hype, obviously a little less now than it was a little while ago, just because of the bad vibes, I guess I should say, around this now. The remake, not clearly not as good as the original. But for every failure, there's a Shadow of the Colossus out there that is remaking a masterpiece that is now being played by millions of people for the very first time ever. Mm -hmm. Now they get to play Shadow of the Colossus. So, yeah, Secret of Mana gets the bullet 
but on the other hand, things like Shadow of the Colossus are, are getting remade and, and a whole new audience is getting to play them. Sure. Uh, and at the same time, the original Secret of Man is not going anywhere. That'll always be there. Anyone can cue that up, play it. In fact, now that there's so much negativity about this remake, I even saw a headline the other day that was like, now I want to go play this Secret of Mana. And it was all about the original. They're like, yo, this looks amazing. I haven't played it. Sure. Holds up. So, yeah. so are you saying, what I'm trying to take from that is, are you saying that this person wouldn't have had that realization if it wasn't for Secret Mana being part of the conversation right now? So maybe like there's this net good yeah. with this remake? Yeah. Like m- renewed interest in the original because sure. of the remake being bad, mm. you know? So I think it's tricky because there's also like the business side of things where money and time and resources are being spent to remake something we already have. Whereas it, they could be making something brand new. And that's kind of a bummer because like, yeah, it's always nice to get new, new ideas and new games. Whereas now it kind of feels like these people wasted their time trying to remake it yeah you know when it, it was like if it, if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of thing but two sides of every coin shadow of the colossus was perfect perfect yeah but shadow of the colossus was a 10 and now the remake is a 10 so it's like there's there's good to be had I, re- I remember when the secret of mana trailer debuted my argument was that the budget was right for the game uh meaning that you can't spend a final fantasy 7 remake budget on Secret of Mana, but I think that they still didn't spend enough. I, I think there's like a requirement. If you're going to do it, you have to spend this much money. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you are wasting it. Uh, I guess like like golf clubs, right? Like let's say you can get child golf clubs for like $15 and $20 and $30. But it's like, hey man, if you're not going to spend $300, you're not going to have good golf. I don't know if that was a bad analogy because I don't know the actual facts, but it's that kind of thing. You got to pay to play. There is a minimum that you should spend on this thing. And so it was too low budget. I think Ben, I think there is a version of a secret of mono remake that could have looked good. Yeah. And, and they just didn't have the resources to make that happen. I want to circle back around on that, but I, I really like the line of thought that both of you are doing here, and I have a question to pose to both of you. So let's say you're, you're like, hey, there's a certain amount of money that you need to spend. So yeah. let's, let's take that money, okay? Let's remove yep. it. Let's put it in this corner right here. Okay. Let, what it, is, it, is it better to remake Secret of Mana, something that probably has more recognition, or would it be better to take that money and create a whole new thing so you're not i don't know tarnishing the legacy of something or creating unfavorable comparisons for yourself or do you really need those positive experiences from the secret of mana in order for this to be successful at all if i'm on the board yeah i'm on the board of directors i'm saying do the remake do the remake. Why yeah. Why do the remake? Because we have a proven franchise. I know people like this We've thing. already got the storyboard. Yes. Half the work's already done. Half the work's already done. <laughs> the design, yeah. And, and, and yeah, basically, I, I, what I sell is franchises. I sell characters. Uh, I sell IP. And if I have one that's already working and I could make stronger, uh, I'll do that over a new one. I think. Can't talk about uh, remakes without talking about the greatest one of all time. Yeah. Resident Evil. Now, here we go. Here we go. 
remaking a game and earlier i was like oh it's nice to get like brand new games and, and that stuff versus like a the same old game like resident evil adds so much to the remake and that like that's so cool because resident evil obviously i'm obsessed with but like the spencer mansion and growing up with resident evil was such like a important place and an important game for me in my life but then the remake took that a step further. So now, like, I'm even closer and more attached to the mansion, to those characters, to everything about Resident Evil because of that remake. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I so think important. The thing that's tough, though, with Resident Evil, I really got this strong sense of we're going to make a more complete vision with the tools that we have. Mm-hmm. And it's like we really know exactly how to do that. Whereas with something like Secret of Mana, it's like we're going to try to capture... We're both, A, going to try to capture that old charm mm-hmm. and also try to make it feel new at the same time. And there, there are just moments where it feels like it's clashing with itself. Yeah. Um, and I think remakes can definitely fall into that territory. And so let's put you back on the board. Okay. I'm going to pose you another question. Sure. Uh, let's... You know, they did the uh, the collection in Japan on Switch for the the mana games. Oh, cool. Yeah. And let's say let's let's say, okay, we can do a remake, we can risk it, we can update it and and potentially deal with backlash. Mm-hmm. Or we can just say, Hey, we're doing a big re release campaign, we're gonna put this collection out on PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. Is that a better route? It's a lot of free money. It's a lot. Because that way you're playing it safe, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then if you take the time to make this brand new remake, you put all the money and time into it, and you just release it with the older games. Like, you don't want people to play those older games before they make the play the remake you just worked so hard on. You know I'm saying? You do, let's say you just scratch the remake entirely. Oh, and you just use the money to re-release the classic games. Right. It's so weird, though. I got to assume that the reason they didn't launch in the U.S. is that they just figured there's no interest here. And they, I think they probably figured, like, we would not be interested until they're polygons, until they're fully 3D characters in a 3D world. So that was the next thing that I want to bring up. Uh, and <clears throat> I don't want to use this absolutely, but it's just, there's just been a couple of moments where I'm playing like a 16-bit game. And I'm like, yeah. man, this is so good looking. I love this. I want more games that look like this. And I just get really excited about it. And my girlfriend will come out and she's like, I don't I don't think it looks that good. Sure. Um, right. And, you know, I, I grew up with a specific style of game that I think still really holds up well. But that's just one perspective. And I think sometimes it's very easy to think that that perspective is very commonly held when it's maybe not. Do you think it's just us maybe misreading the situation and by going this direction with this new look that could potentially be more appealing to a broader number of people or an audience that maybe wouldn't have given it a look if it just looked like it originally did? <sighs> it feels low budget. It honestly seems like a like a budgetary decision. What they made now. Yeah. Yeah. Like you want to you want to even begin to replicate the art style of the original in a new modern iconic way like a, like what if they went octopath traveler style you know what mm-hmm. i mean like i i feel like they went the opposite way on a budget they tried to distance themselves from the look of the original yeah so they wouldn't be compared as much or or you know if it, i'm saying if they tried to do the look of the original in a modern way that it might have cost more money i don't know yeah mm. 
Isn't that bird weird? The big bird with brown hair, mm-hmm. just a little tuft of brown hair. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the board. I'm saying get rid of the tuft. <laughs> Shave the tuft. Get it out. Too weird. Too weird. Too weird. Why has it got to be a little tuft of brown hair? Same color as the main tag, the protagonist's hair. Get rid of that hair. The visuals just, they look like Mighty Number no. 9, and that's not a good thing. No, they don't. Dude, they kind of. They don't look like Mighty Number no. 9. That, like, really, like, chunky 3D, like, almost dream, not Dreamcast, but, like, like, Grandia 2 looks better than Secret of Mana. True. Yes. Grandia 2. Yes. And here, that is a 18-year-old game, just about. Yeah. And it looks better th- than a brand new game? Yeah, what's so funny is I almost think it's like the work ethic. Uh, I feel like when they're developing Grandia 2, they're trying their hardest, and there's almost like no way that the people making this remake, maybe they, they are trying their hardest, but they didn't have the resources to try their yeah. hardest it, it, time it, too, you know? It screams lack of resources yeah. and lack of budget. Like, yo, you can, like, what is it? A $40 game too, right? Secret of Mana. It's like, we're not going over this budget. Yeah. Do what you can. Yeah. And, and you have to think a remake has got to be cheaper because so much of the work is already done. Yeah. You have so much of the script and, and storyboard and environments and concept art. Like, you have so much of that. So, it seems like you can definitely do it on the cheap, and that's what they did. Too cheap, though. Too cheap. Spend the money. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lasting consequence of this that maybe we don't give enough attention to is that, like, take Silent Hill, for example. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> Silent Hill is not in a good place right now. It's just not, and hasn't been for a long time. And then when they re-released the HD collection, it was just a complete catastrophe from top to bottom. I, I feel like when it comes to remakes... The sense that I get is that, oh, this isn't any good. I'll just go back to the original. And it's it's just, it's very, it's kind of a closed mindset where it's like, what message are we sending? And, and sometimes I just want to think about like, no, we still want this series. We still want this thing. And we can't just be content with complaining about it. We have to let you know exactly what we want. Um and I'm trying to think of a of a recent example where that was accomplished, where like they brought it back and they brought it back in exactly the right Shadow way. Shadow of the Colossus. So Shadow of the Colossus is that 100%. for you? Is that uh, Crash Bandicoot's a good example sure. of a very successful remake? Uh, obviously, we got some qualms with it, but so what do you what do you think makes that quote unquote successful? In comparison to to Secret of Mana, and I feel they like they spent the money on Crash okay. Bandicoot. They spent the money. They spent the resources. It looks good, and really, I think that is why it was a success. Is how good it looks. Mm-hmm. That 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 your girlfriend could walk into the living room and say, "Oh, this looks good." Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's. I think that's really. I I think it's actually a good barometer, Ben, uh, of just like of instantly appealing visually, and that's what they did for Crash Bandicoot. Um, it. I, this this game brought up this discussion, but I feel like I'm saying the Secret of Mana remake is trash. I don't think I feel that negatively right. about it. Where it's like, no, this is. I still- think it's worse than trash. It's blah. Yes, sure. Meh. Blah, sure. meh is worse than garbage. I think meh is something I could settle <laughs> on with it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it is just meh. It is nothing. It is nothing. <laughs> it's worse than garbage. It, I will, so true. After this, I will not 
look at or speak of Secret of Mana again out of no ill will or spite, but because it is not important. Yeah. Oh, man, that's (laughs) harsh here. Brutally harsh. I've really been enjoying my time with the Super (laughs) Nintendo version. Uh, No, that's... I was just talking about the remake. Oh, yeah. Super I see. Nintendo version. That's still on the table for you. Yo, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. On the table. Okay. Definitely want to play okay. it at some point. That's what I was but like a little re- bit like. Ugh. No, no, no. The remake is gone. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, Came you, and went. You were talking yeah. about the money, right? Yeah. And we we keep we brought up Crash and we talked we talked about uh, uh, Shadow of the Colossus and I feel like those are games that are very synonymous with the PlayStation brand. You know, like. If, if Crash is looking bad, if Shadow of the Colossus is looking bad, in some ways that's kind of PlayStation looking bad, so throw the money behind it. Yeah. Whereas, like, let me, again, this is just hypothetical, let me throw this at you, where it's like, hey, we want to bring back Secret of Mana, and it's like, you either get a little bit or nothing at all. And if you get the little bit, right, if you just get not enough money to make what you want to, but enough to make something, you get the people who it's part of the conversation again. Is that worth it? No. I think they wasted money. So you think they shouldn't have done it at all? They got to write this one off. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I give really me, like? Give me a little when, bit more. Uh, I really like when Secret of Mana couldn't do this because it was a direct remake. So if it had released the original with it, it would be weird. It was like, what it do you want me does, to It even does a weird thing, Huber, where you see the original at the upper left hand corner as your mini map. Yeah. Whoa. It's really weird. That is weird. Yeah. But I, I was trying to think of a good example when I really like it. And, like, not the way it was released, but the idea behind the Modern Warfare remaster. It's like, all right, I get Infinite Warfare, which is the brand new shiny-looking Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. But I can also go back to Modern Warfare remastered. Well, you know? So yeah. maybe something along those lines of, like, a new secret of game... But also, we are just remastering, not remaking, remastering Secret of Mana. And then you can, you know, maybe you buy the new one, you get that. Or like a pre-order, or it comes out a month after, or a month before, or something. Just to really capitalize on, like, your franchise. I love that kind of stuff. Sure. But this just is kind of in a weird spot, because like you were saying, I'm unaware of this, but the, the level of... Interest in the franchise in the West doesn't yeah. seem all that big except for Secret of Mana. So it really puts them in this yeah. position where it's like, then. do we do we even release the original? Like couldn't the is the original already on PSN? Like PS3 maybe? PSN store? I don't if, know, dude. It is on the it's on the SNES classic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on the okay. SNES classic. Cool. Yep. So then yeah, I mean they kind of double dipped, but then at that point, the NES Classic already came out. People have already gone through the original. It's so weird. Because um, it's like, I don't want to... If if I'm a newcomer to the franchise, I want to play the original because it's revered. Mm-hmm. But if I love the original, then I guess that's who this remake is for? But kind if, of. It but seems if, that way, honestly. But if it's yeah. for them... You're changing the art style so drastically. Well, and it's not just that. Like, yeah, you're making all these weird changes. So it's like, who are you for? I'm so... <laughs> Tough spot. Tough. I, sp- I want to give an alternative to money because I, I don't think that's fair to say. It's just spend more money. Um, but so the other one I, w- I was thinking of, Ben, is I always get confused if it was Monster Boy or Wonder Boy from last year. Is it Monster Boy? It's... 
Wonder Boy. It's so because they're I all know, the same franchise. I know, anyway, I, know. I reviewed this game. I think it's Wonder. Okay. Yeah, so, it's Wonder. I think it's Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap. Sure, that's okay. the game I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, and this is just conjecture. I don't know. I feel like that game had a smaller budget than the remake of Secret of Mana, mm-hmm. and again, conjecture. You can prove me wrong. I feel like. Uh, it is going to, in the end, make more profit than the Secret of Mana remake. Mm. And what I think they did with their game is uh, more time. And so we talk about time and money. I think they spent a lot of time on that game. But uh, they went in such a complete different, yes, distinct that's direction it. That's visually it. that it's not a bad version of the game. It looks really cool. It looks unique. Again, anybody could look at it immediately and say, oh, this looks interesting. Uh, because it has, hand, if you haven't seen it, hand-drawn animation of a very unique style, yep. uh, cartoonish style that all looks really good. That wasn't even part of the original. Yep. That style doesn't relate to box art or anything. It's a very unique style that they just uh, uh, spoke through. They, the game spoke through this style, uh, and it becomes a unique, successful game on its own. And it's it's such a good example to bring up because I think the key there is is how different it is. It's with with Secret of Mana, I get this sense that it's like we're trying to capture this look but do it in 3D and it's mm-hmm. just it's it's imitation in a really yeah. like kind of a uh, way whereas what you're describing is wildly different, but it's tough because I feel like this new style kind of evokes the spirit of the original. Yeah. Like it, it still seems like it fits, but is completely different. And I, I, that's such a hard thing to do because if you go, Oh, on the board, we can't just say do that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, uh, it's tough because if you make it too different, obviously people are upset, but if it's like this, if it's this imitation, people are, will complain that it's not accurate enough. And so finding that middle ground just feels almost impossible, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I do want to say you can switch between new the new music, the redone versions of the songs or the original. And like pretty much in every instance so far, the original music has sounded way better. And that's also oh. just like kind of a punch. <sighs> uh, rough. Woof. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, when you were saying that meh is worse than trash, I think that yeah. is uh, it's like, uh, something I've, to take uh, away from this. I've had this conversation with Kyle over the years of uh, relating to movies. Yes. And Kyle is always like, yo, if the movie's a, a seven, like, I'm out. But if that movie's like a two or a three, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'd rather watch a train wreck yeah. than just something that's nothing. Yeah. That's just average. Everything you expect, just... <laughs> Doesn't spike at all, yeah. Yeah. We ready for some emails? Yes. Yeah. Fortnite, Our first email. Fortnite, guys. Really good chill-out game. I just want to say that. Everyone sure. needs a good chill-out game. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter Dynasty was... Dynasty Warriors 9. Monster Hunter was that, but, like, now I'm at a point in Monster Hunter where it's so intense. You had and, to be checked in for Monster like, Hunter. Yeah, you yeah. had to be checked in, dude. There was a point when I was like, oh, I'll do some optionals, get some stuff. Now it's like, no. Anything I, I do is so intense... No longer my chill out game. Once you, I think once you get through the story, you'll sink back into chill out mode. Oh, cool! You're just bringing that hunter rank up. Perfect. You'll be, you'll, you'll get there again. I think. Perfect. Um, our first email comes in from Michael. Are we being too easy on Nintendo? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hear him out. Next. <laughs> Hear him out. Hear him out. 
Over the past few days, I've been playing Bayonetta 1 and 2 on my Switch. It's great to play these amazing games on the go, or simply while laying down in my bed. However, I started thinking about all of the, the ports that we've been receiving and will be receiving throughout the year, and started to think if we, meaning fans and game journalists, are being too easy on Nintendo for releasing too many ports on a new console. Excuse me, I gotta sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Where was I in the email? Not only are they porting their first-party games, but third-party games such as Disgaea 5, Ease 8, and I Am Setsuna. I know that the Wii U was considered to be a commercial failure for Nintendo, but they want to re-release the games from that console onto this one, but are they relying too much on these ports to fill out their release schedule? Personally, I'm okay with the ports because the portability of the Switch gives new life to a lot of the older games. However, I would really like Nintendo to reach out to other third-party developers and publishers so that we can have more third-party exclusives akin to Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. I think that more third parties would be more willing to make exclusive for the Switch if they continue to see the Switch sell well. What do you all think about this? We're being too easy on them. I don't know. No. Uh, I had a really good conversation with a video game designer. Well, programmer. I will not name the name. But I had a conversation with him. And they, they said it's not as easy as just saying, like, yo, we want our game on Switch. Entirely different. The oh. cartridge, like, fitting your game onto that little SD card... That's a hurdle you need to jump through. That's where you get the L.A. Noir Doom situation. Yeah. So it's not just, hey, we want our game on Switch. It's like, you need to make a Switch version. Like, it is different. And that is always going to be a problem with third-party developers moving forward. So And kind of like how Michael posits, I bet we'll, we'll, we'll see third-party exclusives even. Like, let's just make a Switch game. Exactly. Instead of, like, let's make a Switch version. Like, yeah. Let's just do a Switch you, game. And you're yeah. already seeing that happen uh, beyond Mario and Rabbids. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, I don't think we're being too hard on him, uh, because 2017 was one of the greatest years ever for a company. I really believe that Nintendo mm-hmm. crushed it, and maybe they are leaning a little too heavily on it now. It's still early in the year. We'll see how their catalog shakes out towards towards the the middle and the end. You know, after E3, we'll learn more and and see how the rest of the year shakes out. But. I've been on Twitter and I'm seeing people discover Bayonetta and that makes me so happy. It's so exciting. I even discovered something about Bayonetta that when you use the peach costume, those hands that come through, Bowser's. I forgot about that. Bowser's. (laughs) Bowser kicks and punches, yeah. Giant Bowser hands coming through a portal. Oh, now I get to play this version. I thought I I I had escaped. I was like, eh, I played two not too long ago. They got you right back in. (laughs) Yeah, they got me. I totally forgot about that. I'll wait till Bayonetta 3. I'm good. You know, I finished finished one and two. I'm fine. So many games right now. The whole game. Punching with Bowser fists. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like summoning him is the cool thing. Yeah. Like to ba- peaches to peaches Bowser is in something. a realm and he sees a hole open up and he's like I got this. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's so cool. He's got like the the like black bracelet too. It's, yeah. oh, it looks so good. Your fantasy. Uh, so Ben, I, I do feel like we're still feeling uh, after effects of the Wii U. I think it was hard for any third party uh, publishers to go like, yeah, Switch. That's a sure hit. You know, not even us. We, we maybe after it was revealed, but a year yeah. before it was like, I don't know about Nintendo's next console, man. It's half portable? No way. And so nobody predicted the Switch's success, not even Nintendo. Um, it's early. I do think it's early to say w- yeah. whether we're making, whether we need to critique yeah, them yeah. yet. Uh, I think that 
maybe if we're halfway after E3 and it's like, hey, what's coming actually? Yeah. Let's wait for after E3. We'll, we will trash them if they F up E3. We will absolutely yeah, we be will. hard on them. I'm never afraid to stick it to Nintendo because of the Wii U. Um, Still bitter. Yeah. When, you, when you think about the Wii U and you, and you think about ports... Right, I remember the 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 port of Arkham City of Mass Effect Three. Yeah, and, and it's just like, here's the, you can play it on this console, and it has this dumb new thing that you yeah. can have. Oh man! And so, I, I think in that instance, it's it's fine to complain about ports, but if you make a, a system where the appeal of it is portable, mm-hmm. and you're taking games that I couldn't play on the go before, and now I can play them on the go. Like, that adds a lot. That's, yeah. to me, in my mind, that's something that I'm thinking about of, do I want to buy this version on Switch? Is it being portable cool for me? Like, Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. I have that on PC. I have that on PS4 and Vita. But the idea of playing it on the Switch Great. is appealing enough for me, yeah. and I think that's a really good decision. And so I want that. And so I think these ports, in a lot of ways, assuming that they run well, have have a lot of inherent value because of that. And I, I don't think you can just brush that away. I think that's a very yeah. key element. Dark Souls? I honestly never thought I'd dive back into Dark Souls 1 again. You know, I was like, oh, maybe I'll play it in like a decade or two. Dive back into Dark Souls. You know, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Killed every boss. Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, 3. I'm done, you know, one and done kind of thing. Showing up here on that inevitable day when everyone has their Switch and Dark Souls and we can just party up like that. Yep. That is playing the game in an entirely new and exciting way. This is not just some haphazard, you know, filler mode. This is a a new way to engage with the game in an awesome and exciting way. And I even think about that with Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine, like... Being able to hunt in the same room together. Oh, it's so cool. Like, I saw in Japan, there's this video of, like, they, uh, they're they all sitting around four TVs. Like, they set up a square of four, four TVs in Monster Hunter. It was, like, a lot of... Dude, lot of land party lot, days. Yeah, exactly. A lot of that. work to put a land party together, whereas yeah. a Switch, you can just push it on. <laughs> You're right. I bet, like, <laughs> high schoolers can just, like, hang out with Switches and oh, then, like, yeah. have something on TV totally real. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Crazy. So... 2018 big big year i I remember at the end of the year we had the nintendo podcast and damiani was kind of talking about you know what what are you looking forward to in 2018 with nintendo can they live up to it yeah and i'm just such a mario zelda biased human where like any mainline mario and zelda yeah 10 out of 10 we're in best in the biz always they've never let me down mainline mario and zelda like hard to top (laughs) <laughs> for video games right we just had both of those in one year so like no mario and zelda in 2018 that's obviously gonna sting but unfair think, unfair to write them off so early yeah I, I i think when you talk about big new exclusive third-party things that's that's really hard to do mm-hmm. but to me what's what's more important than harping, I think, on one thing is that you have a balance. And I think the Switch has done a really great job of having a balance. If you're looking ahead in 2018, you have things like Octopath Travel. This is a crazy, new, weird, exciting thing that you can only get on Switch. That's super important. Yeah. But you have big uh, Nintendo-associated franchises coming as well. You've got, you've got Metroid Prime 4 on the way. You've got Fire Emblem. 
but then you also have these ports to kind of fill in those holes, and I think it's a really good balance. To me, it's not... Like, I think exclusives are important, and we talked very recently about why exclusives are important, but I think you're getting the exclusives, but what's even even more important is that you always have something interesting to play, mm-hmm. and I think the Switch has done a really good job of answering that. Sure. Yeah, getting yeah. it well, getting exclusives, but also being able to play the third-party games in unique ways right. because of the Switch. Can we uh, can we cross the, the streams here with Kind of Funny for a second? Yeah, cross them, cross them. Crossing Souls. Crossing Souls. Crossing Streams. I was on the podcast with Tim Geddes. Yeah. We we're talking about Project Octopath Traveler. Yeah. Is he and hyped on it? Very. Nice. But you know what he wants? He's like, yo, when that name comes out for that game, Final Fantasy 16. Is Tim Geddes crazy yes. or is he on to something here, I've, guys? What? I've <laughs> said this very same thing. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. There I it, think is. it was. It was during our prediction special. Oh, jeez. Right? Our prediction yeah. stream. Yeah, yeah, I think that was Ben's I, guess. Yeah, nice. prediction stream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, shoot, I missed it. Gotta get him yeah. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get him on the show. Get him on. Final Fantasy. I, I would really like that. I could see, it seemed like you were not into I'd be so mad. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be very mad. I, I, can, I can see that. Yeah. I really can. Um, no uh, Coleman camping gear, so I don't know if Jones would be mad. Jones would be stoked. He's he's stoked on that. He's stoked on old Final Fantasies. He would love it. I, I think. really yeah, want another yeah. Yoshi rant from Jones. <laughs> or something else. Just Jones rants are good in general. They're so good. They're yeah. the best. Um, we're running a little bit long today, so we're just going to do one more email. Okay. Uh, why is easy difficulty not that easy? This is from Alexander. Easy difficulty is meant to help players who don't have skill or time to master a game or to those who simply want to enjoy the story. But easy mode only usually simplifies the combat and completely ignores other potential progress blockers. Cool, cool. For example, sometimes games ask players uh, to find a specific item or place without giving it its exact location. It seems obvious to give the player a quest mark on easy difficulty, especially because he can do the same thing by reading a guide, but for some reason games don't do so. Other obvious yet barely seen examples are giving players the ability to reallocate skill points, removing cooldown timers for shop restocks, giving the player infinite lives at a checkpoint. My question to the panel, why do easy difficulties in games don't make the player's life particularly easy and still force them to spend time on stuff they might want to ignore sounds like a really case like to, this email sounds like a case to case basis but i mean i played persona on normal mm-hmm. but like you know maybe i died to a boss a couple times and i put it down to easy and it was like way way easier so I'm thinking I, of the, this case-to-case basis of like having to find things. I get that. Yeah. Like I think of Silent Hill. You, there's two difficulties. You do combat difficulty and puzzle difficulty. You cool. can choose the difficulty of the puzzles. That's awesome. Which I think is really clever. Yeah. But I've never really seen that in later games. Well, so I, I I think that is in a, a fascinating thing to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah, I think difficulty just really usually pertains to to combat. I can't really think of any other... Yeah, it's it's really tough uh, because, like, in Divinity, for example, um, on on the classical difficulty, kind of the normal difficulty, there would be times where I'm like, oh my god, this this is so destroying me. And you, what's a great thing about Divinity is I like that you can change it at any time. Nice. You want to yeah. bump it up or down just Perfect. to... Whatever you're feeling at that moment, I really value that. But when I would bump it down, I'm like, well, now this is too easy. I kind of want something... 
in between, and I always think back to Goldeneye, and I really love the way Goldeneye would handle difficulty, where it wasn't just like, we're gonna tweak these numbers, it's like the way, what, how you progress through this mission will be completely different. And uh, I, I like that on a lot of levels because if you're somebody who's feeling intimidated or you want less of a challenge, you're like, okay, I just won't have to do as much stuff. That's kind of nice. That feels kind of free. But if you are a player it's who wants that extra challenge, it's not just these guys are going to take longer to kill. It's like I get to experience things that people on lower difficulties won't get to experience. And I want to see more of that. Totally. I don't think... We get enough of that. My favorite thing is Kingdom Hearts beating that stuff on proud mode and unlocking special cutscenes. Sure. Such a cool reward. It's like, yeah, you can play on easy and see 98% of the game, but those who are willing to really put in the extra time are going to be rewarded because those yeah. cutscenes are awesome. I do love that. Those, <laughs> those cutscenes are really cool. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Um, here's the thing. I think that if you can't find an item... And you have to go to YouTube to find it. I actually like that. I like that part of video games. And because you're translating that and you're having to find the path to that thing on its own. Uh, I think if you really want the game to point out the things that your character is searching for that distinctly, you're losing part of the game. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I can't support it too much. And so even the act of like looking it up on YouTube, seeing exactly where it is and doing Dude. it on your own, I actually, I think there is something valuable to that. And so uh, I don't have a problem with it. I actually don't. Kyle, dude, Yakuza. Hidden items? No, the original, like Yakuza 1 specifically. There are parts when you need to go somewhere or talk to someone and it doesn't tell you where to go. It's like, yo, I gotta go, yeah. gotta go find this thing, or, or I gotta go figure this out, and you're just in the city with no waypoints whatsoever, and it's awesome, but I remember in Yakuza 1, I got lost for, like, hours, yeah, yeah. and they just, in later installments, like, I think by 3, maybe, or 3 or 4, like, that's gone. None of, that is all gone, so now it's, like, tells you exactly where to go at all times, Yeah, and there is something lesser about being pulled to your location rather than discovering it on your own. So I, I totally get that. That's yeah. interesting because uh, when I was streaming the PS2 version of Yakuza 1, there were mm -hmm. definitely moments where I was like, I have where? to look this up. Yeah. And then playing through Kiwami, I didn't have that problem. They, they yeah. addressed that, or at least it felt like they addressed that. Totally. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes it is, it is nice to be lost. But I, for me, whenever I want to be lost... It's not because I'm trying to do something else. It's just like the game is giving me space to be lost. Yeah. I think being lost when you really want to do something is a it extremely is frustrating. Sure, is the yeah. worst. Yeah. Just being in a room and there's like some other part of that room and you're like, I've been through these three things a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Puzzle anxiety, dude. When I know I need to like solve something or figure something out, yeah, and I have no idea how. And I just want to see the next cutscene or get to the next room and breathe. Freaks me out. Do you think? Uh, I'm I'm really glad that you brought up YouTube. Do you think the existence of YouTube's and streams and stuff has is something that developers are very conscious of and has impacted difficulty? Where like, hey, we we could change this, but if people get stuck, they can just look it up. Uh, 
I wonder that, Ben. I because I mean, game design used to be extremely obtuse. I think wondering if like, hey, they'll just buy the strategy guides, right? Uh, just some RPGs were like, yeah, there's no way you could have known that otherwise. Yeah. I'd love to talk to a developer about that, yeah, and see how if that has had any I got impact on design. Hard. I had to hard quit Final Fantasy One. Sure, because I got to a point. Yeah, where it, you know, the PSP one, where it was like, all right, go find so and so or something, and I'm, I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know where to go. Couldn't even find my place in a guide because I was so confused. <laughs> it's like I don't even know how to look this up at this point. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that I think developers now putting a secret in their game, they're sure that people are going to find that secret within a day and put it up on YouTube. Yeah. I, I think they're aware of that. They're rock steady. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was gonna rebuttal with. Is yeah. I like that because of the awareness of it, they're just making the secrets way more insane yeah. and hard oh, to yeah. find. Like the Rocksteady yeah. one, like God. involves like the radio stations or something, right? In the, in Arkham City, that hidden wall in Asylum. Oh, that was really cool. Oh, yeah, so yeah. cool. That's one of my favorites ever, dude. Yeah, yeah. That is gonna do it for this episode of Frame Trap. Uh, sorry, we cut the emails a little bit short. Uh, if you would like to send an email, have us talk about it. Uh, thank you to both of those. I enjoyed both of those discussions. So close to four hours. We're close to four hours. Four hour frame trap. We're close to four hour frame oh, trap. Couldn't make it. Couldn't make it. Couldn't make it happen. <laughs> couldn't make it. Uh, if you'd like to send an email, email askeasyallies at gmail.com. That was really four hours? That is surprising. Three hours. And that was really what? surprising, honestly. Yeah. It doesn't feel like what? four hours? No, it doesn't. No. Nice. No. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I had no idea we were that deep. We're <laughs> Four hours deep. It felt like 2.15 to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two and a half, 2.15. Wow. Yeah. Did it feel like four hours to you? <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. In the comments below. In the comments below. Yeah, once again, if you would like to send an email, uh, askeasyallies at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you, uh, Kyle and Huber, for engaging in the discussion, for your honesty. Always good to have you both. And we will see you next time.